0: This ad is almost three million gallons long because it's exactly the same amount of time it takes for that much water to flow over the deck at Niagara Falls. So how does the deck stand up to all that water? Thompson's Water Seal. Just another reason they call us America's recognized branded water protection. Weather protected, water sealed. Thompson's Water Seal. Trust the Seal. Available at a retailer near you.
1: He's great that way. All right, let's continue on. By the way, Hallmark was looking very picturesque in his uh, latest photos uh, with that mustache, Nate. Very, very impressive. You should be happy for your son there. The gorgeous Cryptid uh, Huntress. There she is. Hey, there's Bombshell Bomber. How are you? Nice to see you. Bigfoot Michigan Rob. Uh, Downshift, nice to have you here. Rob, I want to hear all about your trip, by the way. And uh, Kenneth Schoen, welcome to SOR Chat. Thank you for joining us. And boom! Gorgeous Bama. How are you? In the studio, thanks for coming on in. Henry X or Henry Tenth, whatever you choose. Uh, welcome to SOR Chat. And uh, I think we're... Oh, the gorgeous Purpose and Grace. Nice to see you. And uh, I think we're caught up. I think we're caught up. We've got like 30 seconds here. Oh, look who it is. It's Chris... who's looking lovely tonight and i think now we're caught up officially super chat is open it's a great way to support what we do on this show also is shopping at the spaced out radio chat room or chat room website go shopping there here we go horns up of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR Headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at YouTube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky news Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world ten percent happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them. On our website. All right, we got a great show for you tonight. We're going to get into NDEs. We're going to get to cryptids. Nicholas Shaughnessy is here from Texas. Then in hour number three, we will be joined by the Swamp Dweller for another spooky story. Tim Sinor steps in for the UFO report. Shirky Poo has the news. All right, let's get right to it, shall we? Nicholas Shaughnessy is an avid outdoorsman from Texas who spent the last seven years hunting, hiking, and fishing in remote areas alone. After a strange string of encounters in 2020, he realized that there is more to this world than what we've been taught, which prompted him to start researching what goes bump in the night. After two years and many hours alone in the wilderness, he's seen and experienced many odd things he can't explain. Even enough so to turn him from full-blown skeptic into a believer and we're going to find out nicholas's story here right now as nicholas shaughnessy uh, our people in the chat room may recognize you but here you how are, are. here you are as a guest tonight how you doing man
2: i'm good how you doing
1: i am great i'm going to get you to bring your microphone a little bit closer to your face if you, if you if you don't mind uh, not the camera that's better that's better that's a little bit better. Perfect. All right, So let's learn about you. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't bring a lot of 22-year-olds of on this show who are getting into the weird and strange things that's going on, but you've had quite a run over the last couple of years, and I thought it was important that, you know, this stuff is happening to, to young guys and gals such as yourself who are, are interested in the outdoors, interested in camping and, and learning more about the wilderness and getting out there. Have you always been a, a young man who has enjoyed heading outdoors
2: oh yeah since i was a kid
1: dad took you camping and everything like that or mom and dad take take you out and you know or was it just you
2: it's just me most of the time my parents were never into camping i had to teach myself how to fish how to hunt how to learn i had to learn the outdoors on my own so it's kind of my own little endeavor
1: so, what made you all of a sudden turn from a a guy who doesn't grow up in that household type of household where you're out in the forest all the time to get on out there and learn what what's in this big brave world?
2: I' realized there was a area of woods near me you know it's like six 000, seven thousand acres. I went out there just to explore a couple times. I thought this is kind of cool. I enjoy this, and I just started going every day after school so
1: did you always have an interest in cryptids and in uh, in monsters, or did, was that further from your mind? Because I mean, I guess in Texas where you're located, there's probably a lot of deer, a lot of a lot of hogs to go hunting, and there's never a shortage of game.
2: I was never really into cryptids per se. I'd watched Finding Bigfoot as a kid, but you know. My dad or mom would come by and say, oh, that's not true, or this or that. Remember one time we were going to go on a, hunting tr- or a camping trip to Colorado, which we never went on. I was like, Dad, what about Bigfoot? You know what I mean? So I remember, I wasn't into it, but I always believed there was something out there, you know? Interesting. So, so for you,
1: I mean, how long have you been heading out into the wilderness hunting and fishing on your own?
2: I started going... Probably three to five days a week when I was probably the end of my sophomore year of high school, all the way through the end of high school and even a couple years afterwards. So probably seven years now, out six, seven years.
1: Right. So for you, you know, what, when you're out, out there looking for stuff, what, what are you looking for? What What's your game of choice?
2: I'm looking for what exactly?
1: Well, are you are you mainly out there going fishing? Are you mainly out there going uh, out for a hunt on, on hogs? Or I guess I don't know how the hunting season works down there. Tell me about it.
2: Um, well, it mostly was just hiking at first because I was trying to. I thought hiking's fun. Then I started getting into fishing a whole lot, and then hunting a lot more here recently. But the hunting season is more so starts in about September when you do dove hunting. And you duck hunt until about October when bow season starts for deer. And then deer goes all the way through about January. But then you start duck hunting about December to the end of January, start of February, right? And then hogs are year-round. So there's about a six, seven-month period where there's not like any main hunting going on.
1: Have you got any hogs yourself yet? I have not. Oh, I want to get down there and do that so bad. That just seems like fun. There's plenty of them. You know, you see, I go on YouTube all the time and I see those, those, uh, hog hunting tricks that you can take, like where you're in a chopper. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I don't know why, but that just absolutely, it absolutely thrills me for some reason that, you know, I'm, I've never been a hunter in my life, but I'm just thinking, man, that would be kind of cool to do. That would be very cool to do. So in uh, in your time here uh, that you have been, when did you start all of a sudden investing some time learning about cryptids?
2: It was after my a weird night when I was with buddies up in uh, the Washtenaw Mountains in southeast Oklahoma. We had something go on, and I was trying to research what we had heard, possibly what had happened, and every. You know, everything kept going towards Bigfoot. So I started researching Bigfoot, started just watching little stuff here and there, and then it started getting more common. And I started going out to the woods and things started happening here near me. And I guess I just got into kind of researching the topic pretty much.
1: Okay, so let's go back to that Oklahoma camping trip. Take us right from the beginning. I mean, you arrived there with your buddies. How many of there were you?
2: It was me and my two buddies, Buddy Chris and my buddy Alden. It was right when COVID had started. We all got off work, and we thought, we're going to pay us not to be at work, and everything's kind of leaning out. You don't have to be, like, at home, you know what I mean? So we thought, let's go up to the Washtenaw Mountains and let's go camping, right? Paid camping trip. Why not? So what happened? So... We've been just kind of driving around. We didn't see, like, anybody that whole trip. I mean, no, it was all kind of closed up, and, you know, COVID had just hit maybe a week or two before, so there wasn't a lot of people. So we just pulled off to the side of the road on one of these little, they had a lot of fist to pull overs, you know, these little hills and mountains that you just kind of drive around. Thought, this looks like a good spot. Let's sit up here. And uh, got there at about 6, 6-ish, 7 o'clock. Sun wasn't down yet. We had at least another hour or two of sunlight. Then we sat, made dinner. You know, we had a rock ring that we had made to cook some stuff in, keep everything contained. We made dinner, sat down, chatted a little bit, and then maybe about 9 o'clock, it had been dark about an hour. We got tent and fell asleep. So
1: Your your audio is breaking up just a little bit, and we're getting about every second word here. It's breaking up. Uh, I don't know if you're plugged in hard drive or, or what have you, but um, – Maybe just move back from the computer a little bit you were you were sounding much better when you were back a little bit let 's try that out just to see if that kind of works so so right. it, it gets dark, and you guys are sitting around the campfire enjoying some chatter as as you do start to plan your weekend i mean that 's kind of what what happens and then nature gets you the one thing about nature is it always gets you tired real quick that fresh air you know that 's one thing that i 've noticed yeah. over the years. And, you know, being such a night owl that I am, it drives me nuts that I am absolutely dead to the water, you know, around like 8.30, 9 o'clock, where I'm like, you know, around here, I'm getting ready for the radio show at that point. But but for you guys, okay, you're sitting around your campground, you got your tent set up, the vehicle's probably, or the vehicle right by you there. Are there other animals in the area, like bears or, or any big game that would you know, kind of saunter through your area?
2: There is typical, pretty much just deer, and there is the occasional black bear. That's so rare that, you know, you don't really... You know, there's locals that have lived there for years that have never seen a black bear in 10 years of living there. So it could be black bear. That's about it, big game-wise.
1: Okay, so... You said around 9 o'clock things started happening. What started happening? That's when we you- went to
2: bed. Oh, okay. We, things started happening closer to like ten, eleven. after we had been asleep for, like not totally asleep, kind of just nodding off, that kind of camp sleep, kind of half awake, half asleep thing. It was about 11 o'clock-ish when it started getting weird. So t- take us
1: through that. I mean, yeah, I know what you're talking about by going, you know, you go to bed, but you're never really asleep, you know?
2: Yeah, just half asleep, half wakes. It's just how camping goes most of the time. But about eleven o'clock, we had been woken up by the sound of like something getting knocked like a baseball bat against a tree, and there's three of them. It was bam, bam, bam. And we we had heard that back to our back, uh, back left down the hill. We're kind of on a weird what was a hillside. We're camping. Off part, and then there's another hill down here, and we were sleeping with the hill to our back. So we had heard three tree knocks back there, and then probably for the next three, four hours, we heard them from different directions, the closest one being maybe 50 yards, like right in front of our tent. A little, very close, very close.
1: Really? Okay. So you hear the first... Mm-hmm set of three knocks. How far away were they from you? Did it wake everybody up in
2: the tent? It was probably 200, 300 yards to the back left downhill, but it was so loud that we all woke up at the same time, like, are you all hearing this? And then we got my one buddy, Chris. He doesn't want to, like, think it's anything. He goes, oh, it's just a woodpecker. That's a heck of a woodpecker to be that loud, you know? And then it was just three three knocks i i don't know how many sets we heard exactly probably maybe 10 in the course of 2 hours all different directions though i'm like felt like we were being surrounded in a weird way
1: so i mean you you guys are all young you're you're tough you're ready for the anything i mean <laughs> you know i mean you guys are you're armed you guys are are you know doing your thing i mean at first did you, what was going through your mind when you heard this? Did you think it was people?
2: Not really. I mean, by the, by the sound of how loud it was, I thought, it's kind of weird. You know, and it just didn't seem person-like. I don't know. It just didn't seem like a person could be out there making that kind of noise, personally. Thought it's something, but I'm like the woodsman of the group, you know what I mean? Like, Hey Nick, what is that? Heck of I know, right? <laughs> we had no idea. Okay,
1: so here you are, three young men a long ways away from home, you know, uh, having a weekend camping trip that you're getting paid for because of COVID and everybody's off work at that time. And now you start hearing this. How long was it between the first set of three wood knocks that you heard and the next ones that started?
2: Probably about 10, 15 minutes between the first two, and then it was spaced out another 20, 30. It was about every 15 to 30 minutes for the course of probably two, three hours, maybe a little more, gear tape. I mean, I really like keeping time exactly, but yeah, probably about 15 to 30 minutes between each set of tree knocks.
1: Was there any other types of noises or rustling in the bushes? That you heard from this creature or creatures?
2: We had heard something moving around back under the hill, and we we knocked it up. We you know we heard something moving around in the brush. We thought maybe just like a deer or something walking around, but it wasn't like clearly biped, like I've heard since. We couldn't just make it out a hundred percent.
1: Okay, so here you are. You know, you got something in the forest. You're hearing, you know, what could be footsteps, what could be, you know, something big rustling through the forest. I mean, for people who have never heard that before, it's intimidating. It makes you feel mm-hmm. really, really small very
2: fast. Yeah.
1: Was, was yeah. that kind of what you guys were going through?
2: Yeah. and just, There there's weird feelings the moment we got there too, I guess. You know, the feeling of just kind of being watched was already lingering. I remember when we were sitting there, I had my back to the hill, where we heard those, our true knocks was back down the hill. My buddies were both sitting in front of me next to each other. I kept looking back every, like, ten minutes for some reason, like, there's something back there, you know, like, staring at us. That's what it felt like, even more we into the tent. So, still weird feeling the whole time.
1: Okay, so if you're getting that feeling like you're being watched... Why stay there? Why even get into that tent,
2: man? Dumb. Dumb and young. Young, young and dumb, you know what I mean? Um, we thought we were the big, tough young guys. and we're getting a feeling of being watched. It could be anything. Maybe there's a deer watching us. I mean, three of us together, we thought we're invincible, right? But since then, I know I, it's not a good idea to stay when you're feeling watched.
1: Yeah. No Okay, so you get the feeling that you're being watched. You now hear tree knocks, something rustling through the woods. And mm-hmm. then every 15 minutes, you are getting you're getting more tree knocks, but from different areas. Were those tree knocks getting closer?
2: They had they got progressively closer until we heard the closest one like right in front of the tent. I mean, it was loud. Very loud, probably think maybe 50 yards. Very close in the grand scheme of distances in the woods, right? But they did get closer aggressively throughout the night.
1: You say they. Do you think it was more than one?
2: It had to have been. There's no way something could have covered that amount of distance in time between. I mean, the distances, just it. there's no way it could have just been one anything in my opinion. I mean, we all thought there's multiple of something, almost like counting us, you know? Definitely more than one.
1: Now, after you guys, you know, were awakened by this, you know, this wood knocking, did you get out of the tent and get by the fire where you had more light, or did you turn your headlights on? Did you turn flashlights on?
2: No, we... Pretty much just sat in there, trembling like a leaf for maybe an hour or two. We didn't get out of the tent till something really odd happened at about 3 in the morning. Until after 3 in the morning, my buddy, the tree knocks had, like, kind of subsided for maybe 20 minutes. and We thought, oh, okay, that's done. And my buddy, like, jumped up, threw up for no reason at 3 something in the morning. And he got really sick. I mean he jumped out of bed, threw up, up everywhere, and he was sick for like the next two, three days. So I thought possibly now I think he probably got hit by some infrasound or something of that sort, right? That was really weird. And you guys
1: had all eaten the same stuff too. Same
2: and, food and like if, everything we consumed was all the same everything. And if I'm so right that, of out of the ordinary
1: If I'm right, that's probably hot dogs, potato chips, and marshmallows.
2: Yeah, a little bacon, bacon and beans, that kind of food, you know.
1: Camping food, camping food.
2: Exactly, yeah. camping food.
1: Yeah, you never go wrong. We with all that. eat the same thing. And and both you guys, the other two, were just fine. You and your other buddy.
2: Oh yeah, nothing happened to us. It was just him for some reason.
1: Okay, so I don't know why. What What do you think? What do you think was going on in your buddy's minds at this time?
2: Buddy Alden said he had felt like something was off. He's more like he thinks something was going on out of the ordinary. Buddy Chris just wanted to keep just a woodpecker, go back to sleep. I think he was just scared as can be and didn't want to project anything maybe. I have no idea. But Buddy Alden, he was pretty – first, you know, he had thrown up and all that. He knew something was going up. And then my buddy Chris just wanted – Keep saying, oh, it's something, you know, out of of sight, out of mind type thing, right? I thought it was something weird.
3: It's another hurricane season, and right about now, residents are busy fortifying their nests against damage. This year, they're preparing with flood insurance. They've learned it's the extra layer of protection that prevents them from paying out of pocket or pouch for costly repairs. You too should trust your instincts this season. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov.
4: To germs, your toothbrush is irresistible. They turn out in the millions and aren't afraid of a quick rinse in the sink. That's why Izzo, the first and only 4-in-1 at-home oral care system, kills 99.9% of germs on your brush with a unique UVC sanitizing case. Brush with confidence at isosmile.com. Izzo, smile on.
1: So at what point did you start thinking it was something
2: weird? I mean, when we've heard it the first time, I mean, just hearing tree knocks for the first time after, I mean, I've been going to the woods for four or five years alone at this point. I had heard something, like, I. it never stood out. Maybe I've heard something like that, but that could be anything, right? But to hear it so clearly all around you so many times. It just didn't make a lot of sense. Talk about the fear that you
1: guys started having as these wood knocks got closer. I mean, leading up to your buddy getting ill. I mean, I've never been in that situation. Very few people have. You know, what's that like feeling completely trapped in a tent when you you know... That something, and you don't know what it is, could be humans, could be Sasquatch, could be anything, is lurking around you that close.
2: I mean, terrifying. You think you're the toughest thing in the the world, in the woods, whatever, and you're going to get humbled pretty quick. It's a different kind of fear than anything else I've felt. There's some sort of primal fear when these types of things happen for some reason. So very scared, just, I don't know how else to explain it other than a primal fear of something that's built into you. Do you
1: think once that creature was at that 50 yards that it was getting closer to inspection? Did you hear it around I believe it
2: actually got, I don't remember hearing anything exactly like around the tent, but then it also had started raining quite heavily after that point. At about 3.30, 4 in the morning, it had rained heavy to the point where, you no know, the sound of rain hitting on a tent, and you being inside, you can't hear much. But we had something very odd when we woke up the next morning where the rock ring that we had cooked over, played, like right to the tent, 10 yards, you know, you could walk a couple steps and get it. And uh, there's three rocks missing from our rock ring, and the three rocks had been placed in the center of the, the ring. It was kind of like in a position that we were sleeping in our tent so I believe something got a little closer than 50 yards
1: holy cow that's a little creepy right there and, and the fire was going, Very and, and the fire was going at this fire time? was
2: out fire was out between us we'd put it out before we'd gone to bed and also between the rain that had put everything totally out
1: All right, Nicholas, we're going to get you to continue. We're going to try and work on your audio here as well during the break. Nicholas Shaughnessy is here from Texas getting close encounter with Sasquatch here on Spaced Out Radio as we continue on with a power show again tonight, Cryptids. And then later on, we'll get into his near-death experience. Nicholas Shaughnessy returns on Spaced Out Radio right after this. All right, you want to talk again?
2: All right. So what's going on exactly? Because you're kind of juddering around on my screen a little. I don't know. Maybe I should try reloading the page. Yeah. Let, let,
1: are what? Are you on Google Chrome?
2: I am on Google Chrome.
1: Weird. Okay. So let's. Uh, what I would do is uh, I'm going to boot you out of the studio. and want you to reload it. Okay. All
2: right. Sounds good.
1: All right. Let's try that. See if we can get a better connection here. And for our audience, this is his first time giving an interview about stuff like this, so he's a little nervous. And you know what? But he's got a good story, man. He's got a good story. We'll, we'll get it out of him. I promise you. We'll get it out of him. Hi, Dirty Filth. I had to unmute myself here. All right. Let's see how you are now. Awesome. Do you want to talk, story. Nicholas?
2: All righty. Sound a little better? Yeah.
1: So far, so good. Perfect.
2: So, All right. You're a lot better. Mind screen too.
1: Okay. Good. Good. All right. A little nervous coming on the show like that or what, eh?
2: Yeah, maybe a little. No.
1: Your hair's looking Something
2: good. Something new, you know what I mean?
1: Your hair's looking good, though. That's the main thing.
2: Wow. Thank y'all. Got an awesome shirt, too. Sasquatch in USA. <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, there we go. So what I want you to do for me, buddy, if, if you uh, don't mind, um, just try mm-hmm. and go into a little bit more detail with your answers, okay? You got a very impactful and, okay. and, and powerful story, and uh, the mm-hmm. audience is here to hear your amazing story and messages. So... Uh just like I said to you right before the show, dude. Just go right into tell me about the you know, like with the rain and everything, you know, you know, blocking the sound. That was perfect. You know, just gotcha. Gotcha.
5: Uh,
1: yeah. So just go into full detail. Let's just have a conversation like we're having a beer, dude. Don't worry about the audience. Okay. Just just you and me, bro. All right?
2: All righty. I'll work on
1: it. <laughs> yeah. And Bomber wants to know what color underwear you were wearing that night, so you know, that's how personal she likes to get. Holy cow. Heck, if I know. <laughs> I'm teasing. i teased
5: teasing.
2: Yeah. So we got duck filth drawn down here.
1: Let's see. Sean Zander, welcome to SOR Chat, man. Uh, look at Nate Foot. Nate Foot's a big fan of yours. You know he, you know if if you were right beside him, he'd wave at you. He would. <laughs> Hi, gorgeous dirt What's up, Road? Nate foot <laughs> Yeah, Nate Foot's killer man.
2: Trying my best.
1: You're doing awesome. Just relax and you and me. Just concentrate on me, okay?
2: Gotcha. Kind of hard with my. You were like juddering and all that beforehand, so I was trying to figure out where to focus.
1: Yeah, just focus on my. My lovely voice. Don't worry about the picture. Gotcha. tell me the story. Um, let's All see. Right. Let's see. Where's your pup? Did she move?
2: Oh, she right there. There she is. That way. There that we th- go. Sadie!
1: Oh, hey! She, she's passed out, man. There she she's is. like, screw you. I she's mean, I'm sleeping.
2: <laughs> she is. <laughs> uh. Uh-huh.
1: Look at that. Bad bombshell. Bad bombshell. I'm picturing you naked. Does that help your nerves? Bad. Blues and G. How you doing, <laughs> buddy? What's
2: up, Blues and G? Music. hmm Hello to everyone in chat. I can't do both at the same time, obviously. So
1: oh, hello Scott. to everyone. Look at Scott Jensen. Dude, I crawled out of my tent at dawn to take a leak and had one 20 feet or so staring at me peeing. Oh my god, that must have been uh, the longest piss of your life.
2: I've had a similar one. I got I got zapped while taking a pee. Well, just save something, just save 30 that. yards to my right. Save
1: that one, man. <laughs> All right, we got about uh, 20 seconds here. Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support this show on a nightly basis, so we're still waiting for that to open up tonight. We also are uh, reminding you that you can uh, get some great SOR swag on our website, spacedoutradio.com, much like what Nicholas is wearing right now. Davy Jones Locker, how you doing? Penman, how you doing? And uh, let's see, who else is here? Eddie Petch, good to see you, buddy. We got like uh, 20 seconds here. Dirty Filth is cutting the cartoons up at the bottom of the screen. And that's why he's dirty right there. Hiya, ya There he goes. And uh, we got like five <laughs> seconds left here. So uh, let's get this thing going again right now. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do us the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read shirky news Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Nicholas Shaughnessy is here. He's an outdoorsman down in Texas, aren't they all? He likes to go hunting for deer, for hogs, likes to go throw a line in the river, you know, maybe catch some bass or some cra- crappie or crawfish, or whatever hell you got down there, I'm kind of jealous. Even alligators, lots of alligators, you know. i got to ask you, Nicholas, as we bring you back in, Nicholas Shaughnessy, what do you fish for down there?
2: All sorts of stuff. Largemouth bass, Guadalupe bass, white bass, crappie, catfish, gar, all sorts of stuff.
1: The alligator gar? We
2: have them, yeah see that's i got, got a couple of gar not
1: alligator. i gotta get down there man i gotta get down there i see <laughs> that up here where i am you have a couple mm-hmm. of choices you have about 14 different choices of trout okay maybe not that many but at least five we have uh um, freshwater burbot where I am, then if you go down to the coast, I mean, there's the odd catfish around here. But if you go down to the coast, that's where all the salmon are running. So, gotcha. so there's not as much variety up here, not as much, you know. And the odd time, like salmon. the odd time you could get a you could get a uh, you could um, get a creek or a, or a stream that has some bluegill in it. But we don't got a lot of variety around here. I mean, I want pike, man. I want bass. There is some leaks of smallmouth around here. Not no largemouth. I want to just grip it, you know, catch one and grip <laughs> it. Never got to do that, but we'll get into it. Nonetheless, we'll talk fishing another night because, you know, that's a whole different conversation right there from yes. hidden love of mine as well. And but let, let's let's ch- uh, chat a little bit about. You know, uh, right before the break, you were telling us about this amazing first encounter with what you believe was Sasquatch in the forest of Oklahoma, where all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, here you are, you and your two buddies, and you start hearing tree knocking at about 11 o'clock, and by 3.40 in the morning, the tree knocking is stopped. But when you wake up in the morning and you go outside the tent in your rock fire, area where you place the rocks around on the ground to set a a fire pit three of big rocks are gone and they're now sitting in the middle were there any yeah so okay so let, let's go back to that incident there for a second because you wake up you don't know you guys have barely slept all night because you don't know whether you're going to live or die at this point and yeah daylight comes so you, there's always a little bit more of a of a safety feeling in daylight. And when you walked out of that tent, you and your buddies, you know, was there a sense of relief until you saw those rocks sitting in the fire pit?
2: Honestly, no. It was a very creepy morning. Very, you know, like the fog throughout the woods. We had had the rain all morning, and then the whole morning was just fogged where you couldn't see. So it was almost like creepier than we were sitting there without fog the night before. Very creepy morning. Bunch of fog all around you. felt like a horror movie.
1: Oh, my God. This isn't getting any better, is
2: it? No. It did not get better. I remember the feeling when I had walked over to the rock rings. We were going to make some coffee, but everything was so wet. We we couldn't even get a fire going again. But uh, seeing the rock out of the fire ring kind of like Gave me like a weird jolt of like, I don't like that. You know what I mean? It was very weird to see that.
1: Did you feel like you guys were still being watched at that point?
2: Not really. Not so much at that point. It seemed like it was really heavy beforehand. And then when we got up at 3 in the morning so my buddy had thrown up, we all thought I might as well go take a leak. You know, I thought we need to get paper towels. My buddy hiked about 50-ish yards to the car. And I was like, "He's it's crazy for him to go walk into the dark woods to the car to go get something to clean up with, especially after all that had gone over. But he was, like, out of it, he said. He didn't even think about what had gone on. He felt so sick to his stomach.
1: Okay, and we're going to get into this whole zapping thing a little bit later on, and we'll bring that up a little bit later. But did you guys at that point, you know, it's raining, it's dreary, it's foggy, something kept you guys up all night? Uh, you know, moving stuff in your fire pit. At that point, do you look at it and just say, let's get out of here? Let's let's just go home? Or, or do you continue camping?
2: We ended up just leaving right there and going home. We thought, it's just how it was. And my buddy had gotten so sick, we kind of got worried about him. I mean, it's only a four-hour drive from where we all live. And he was throwing up. He had to stop five or six times during that drive for him to throw up to the point he was throwing up out of the back window of the car. So we ended up leaving mostly because he was feeling so sick to to his stomach. It's really bad. Wow.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a good way. I mean, at any time while you were going through this, you know, and your buddy getting uh, sick for no reason – and, and hearing anything when you when you decided to leave, did the pressure of the area seem to dissipate?
2: Yes, once we had started driving down, once we we're, it's kind of like little mountains. I mean, I guess we call them hills where you guys are, but it all kind of went away once we had started driving. Once we got out of the fog, I guess we were higher up, high enough up that the fog dissipated once we got down the mountain. Once we got down maybe 2,000 feet from the top, we'd been camping basically by the top. And once we got out of the fog, so I mean, you're driving and you can't see three car lanes in front of you because it's how thick the fog was. So once we got out of that, everything seemed to subside, and it felt normal again for the first time.
1: After that experience that you had with, with these... Uh this creature of creatures, whatever it may be. You know, how long was it before you decided to hit the woods again? Next week. Just no I stopping you guys.
2: This is something. It wasn't going to stop me. I mean, I thought it's a one-off thing, right? You go to the woods, something weird happens to you, then you go back four hours down south and everything should be normal again. Well, that's not how it works when I guess you have a very close encounter of this sort. At what so, p- uh,
1: so going back to this first one, you get back home at what point do you start thinking, I think we had an encounter with Sasquatch?
2: Probably about two, three weeks afterwards I had kind of done some research, kept looking up three, like the sound of something beating on a tree three times. After researching that enough times it, it all kept circling around to to Sasquatch, right? And then I got interested in the subject and thought, maybe that's what that could have been. Maybe we had a Sasquatch experience, us three, that was really interesting. And then I just started researching the topic quite heavily. And I got really interested and went down the rabbit hole, as they would say, where you end up having more questions than answers.
1: <laughs> oh, I think we've all been there. You know, so as you started finding out more evidence about Sasquatch whether it was on YouTube or or books or however you however you did it did at did you at some point start getting a little bit of the chills like wow this is what we experienced this is this is something that we yeah take me through that it
2: was kind of weird because I kept trying to find other things that could end like some like the sound of the woods three three something i just kept researching everything could but that like not think it could be that because i thought there's no way right and it all just kept going back to bigfoot so it all it's kind of creepy to think because now i had to accept the fact that these things might be real and they might have been a lot closer to home than i thought so what was you know, what was the one piece
1: of evidence that you were like conclusively? This is it. That's that that was Sasquatch around us.
2: Tree knocks. I had done research on YouTube and I listened to videos of tree knocks, and it was like a light bulb in my head. And that's what we had heard. We had heard what people referred to as tree knocks when we were out there camping, and we heard multiple sets. Every time it was three tree knocks, which that could be something in itself, you know, and just kind of sent the chill down my spine. because I guess these things are real and they're not just up in the Pacific Northwest like I had thought.
1: Now, did you uh, did you check around for reports of Sasquatch in that area? You know, previously to your encounter?
2: Not before. I had no interest in the phenomenon before this. I had believed there was something throughout my childhood, but I had never actually believed like they're as prevalent as I believe they are now. So I'd never researched anything in the subject before this.
1: But af- afterwards, afterwards, what did you find out about that area?
2: Uh, realized uh, Atoka County is one of the most like visual sightings in pretty much the whole state of Oklahoma. Southeast Oklahoma is crawling with these things. And with the exact area we had camped at, there is three or four encounters within maybe a one mile square, like one square mile radius. So I realized we weren't the only ones having these types of things going on down there, you know?
1: So did you immediately become a monster hunter at that point because of that close encounter?
2: Not really. I didn't start researching until. I had started, there was this area near me where I'd always gone fishing and hiking and never had problems. And then all of a sudden, weird things started happening there out of the blue, right after this Oklahoma trip. Okay. So, so I thought, I need to research.
1: Take us to, through what happened there. You know, you get back in the wilderness, you're, you're a hiker, you're you're a hunter, you're, you're always looking, I mean, if you're like me, you're always looking for that that hidden special fishing hole. Yeah, so take us through that mm-hmm. next experience.
2: Um, next experience would have been probably a month afterwards at what I call the 377 spot. This is the place where...
4: To germs, your toothbrush is irresistible. They turn out in the millions and aren't afraid of a quick rinse in the sink. That's why Izzo, the first and only 4-in-1 at-home oral care system... Kills 99.9% of germs on your brush with a unique UVC sanitizing case. Brush with confidence at izosmile.com. Izzo, smile on. Don't let surface stains steal your smile spotlight. Meet Izzo, a revolutionary 4-in-1 at-home oral care system. Izzo safely removes stains 73% better than top whitening toothpastes. Get cleaner, whiter teeth at izosmile.com. Izzo, smile on.
2: I had gone fishing. It's one of the best fishing creeks near me. And it's parcels of land, corpse of engineer land, that is super thick with no trails. So it's like an outdoorsman's dream. You're not running into anyone. You can go hike 10, 20 miles, and you're not going to run into a single person. So I started going out there fishing, and I started hearing tree knocks and that feeling of being watched multiple times within probably a month of the Oklahoma experience. Wow. All
1: right. So it's a month Mm -hmm. later after this incident. You now kind of know what you're listening for and looking for, even though you're going in there, you know, for something completely different. Something completely different. Mm -hmm. How long was it? How long were you at the forest uh, back in the forest for your hike before you started hearing things?
2: Probably two weeks afterwards, I'd taken maybe a week or two off just to, like, let everything settle down because it was kind of creepy. And I thought, all right, I'm not going to let this stop me from enjoying one of my favorite things in the world, right? And for some reason, things started happening, yeah, about a month afterwards So take in that a- area that I'd never had problems.
1: All right, take us through that area. Where do you usually go hiking? What does it look like?
2: Um, so there's a big creek on the backside of a lot of the lakes, right? So kind of split into portions. It's about 1,000, 2,000 acres out more near the city and on the lake itself. Then there's a buffer area that's probably about 3,000 acres in between that and the highway 377. Then on the backside of 377, there's no trails, no anything, and some of the thickest woods nearby. And that's probably about 3,000 acres, and I usually follow the creek, I go to the trailhead on the middle area, and I hike down and go under the bridge, I call it the bridge, that's where, which, it's like a barrier almost, once you break the barrier of the bridge and the railroad, things get weird back in there for some reason. So I'd gone back there to just fish like I normally do, thought, well, let's kind of push the limits a little. So I ended up staying kind of close, maybe only hiking two miles, and I thought, I mean, as any outdoorsman does, you don't just hike two miles, maybe the first time to explore the area, but I'm always like, what's around that corner, right? So I kept pushing deeper and deeper and deeper, and everything starts getting weird when I make it to this rock face that I like sitting and fishing on, and that's probably three miles in. This is no trails, so it's kind of thick to get back there. you got to cross a couple little creeks, but that was where things really started getting weird. It was back about three-ish miles away from the trailhead. On this rock face.
1: So take us what you're going through. Take us the, through this whole event.
2: I mean, it, it wasn't really a whole event the first time. I had heard some weird, like, noises. Like tree knots whistling. And the feeling of being watched the first time. So I just kept fishing like nothing happened. And then I'd get up when the sun start going down. I never had problems. At, at least for the first month. But I kept going there probably two or three times a week for probably another six months and things progressively started getting closer to home.
1: So when you Closer say,
2: to me when I was there.
1: Okay, so what what started happening?
2: Um I started hearing the, a lot of tree knocks. It'd be like the moment I'd break the barrier, I'd hear a tree knock. I guess some sort of communication of like, oh, he's here, right? And I guess they, whatever it is back there, it'd start to know who I am, because of frequency, and there's no one else back there, which, now I know why people don't go back there, but, um, I started finding, I found footprints, found two footprints back there, and they're kind of weird, because they're just one footprint in the bank, which makes no sense to me, right? Started finding singular footprints, hearing, you know, I call it the 200 pound owl, whoops, that kind of stuff, That's when I knew I was kind of probably in an area where these things were nearby watching me the whole time.
1: There is a lot of uh, Sasquatch researchers who believe that when you start setting up patterns of walking the same trail, I mean, they, that when they, the Sasquatch, capture your scent, that they, they like repetition. They like, the idea of everything being the same, and and I've heard this from some really brilliant people like like Duke Sullivan and Nate Rudd and and Carter Bouchart and Bigfoot Rob. That you know when you're when you're doing everything the same, it seems to attract them more because they're getting used to you. Did, did, was that how it kind of felt?
2: Pretty much. It started getting closer over time. It wasn't like my first experience. They kept, you know, maybe two, 300 yards between us. Guess to the point where I started hearing things, like, right behind me. Like, started getting from 300 yards, and then it'd be closer the next time after a week or two of going, next thing you know, it'd be 200, 100 yards right there near me. So, probably over the course of two months, things started getting, I guess they got comfortable with me and started realizing this guy ain't that bad, Right. 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 How
1: are you feeling when all of this is going on?
2: Uh, scared the living crap out of me for a while because I could understand the tree knocks. I was quite intrigued, but once things started walking really close to me, especially when I'm there fishing at night by myself, that bipedal walking 20, 30 yards away from you when you're not even sleeping in a tent, that will scare the crap out of you. And I've only had that happen once or twice, and I, I'm not a fan of it <laughs> to say okay. that much.:
1: So for everybody listening right now, I'm pretty sure that everybody's like, "What the hell are you doing in the middle of the night going fishing into a wooded area where there's wild animals? Are you armed at this time for protection?"
2: Yes, I always go to the woods armed with something,
1: okay. it's usually
2: a small. 357 Magnum revolver, but that's more so for animals and people. Right. Peace of mind.
1: So how do you know at this point it isn't some wild person who's gone off the
2: grid? I thought I would have seen them by now. <laughs> if it was some wild person off the grid, I would have I assumed I would have saw them by now. And the biggest giveaway was the size of whatever was walking near me. I mean, it, it's not just like you hear bipedal walking and it's a person walking by the woods. I mean, this is some loud, almost like you can feel it through the ground. It's hard to think that's a wild person, right?
1: So at, at the closest point, you said this thing got about 30 yards away from you and and it's walking with you, not not trying to catch up or anything like that, Correct.
2: Well, the first time I'd heard the walking, it was more of a... I was sleeping out there alone up on the top of the... Where this I, I like fishing at, right? I was sleeping under a tarp on a little foam pad. This was more of just something walking by... Just walked by me and then deeper into the woods. Probably 20, 30 yards away. Right there. But I've had a couple times afterwards where something does... It Does fo- It's not like it follows me? It just like goes with me. That makes sense. Something walks with me. It's always like it's not right next to me, but it's kind of like to the back left at a 45 degree angle ish, maybe 40, 50 yards away. not close enough to where I can see it, but there's something walking with me until I make it under the railroad, back towards the trailhead. that started happening somewhat consistently.
1: Okay, I gotta ask. Did you start talking to it?
2: I mean, not like intentionally trying to talk. Like, hey, Bigfoot in the woods. It was more just like, hello, like what you doing? Like, I'm trying not to think that it's a Bigfoot. I'm more just talking. Like, if it is anything, like just letting it know. Like, hey, I know you're there, right? But not trying to have a conversation with it. Any means. Did it ever respond? Not like English. Not like, but I've heard like, ooh. Like, I, uh, it's a really weird, I've heard this a couple times there where it's like some weird chatter of some sort where it's like, ooh, what? Ooh. It's a, I don't know how to explain it, but something trying to communicate, but it doesn't speak. Like a language I would understand. If that makes sense. And I've had buddies here and there too, but never it's never responded in words I can understand.
1: Wow, that just gave me complete goosebumps. Complete goosebumps right mm-hmm. there. As uh, we got about forty-five seconds before we're going to go to break here at the. Uh, Top of the hour, Nicholas Shaughnessy is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. And for you, I I, want to hear more, man. I'm I'm curious. I mean, you you have this thing. You have the dream spot right now, to be honest, where you're getting – like, is it happening every time you're out there?
2: Not every time. It's a 50-50 chance. It's pretty good odds. Incredible. Incredible. We're going to learn
1: more from Nicholas when we return on Spaced Out Radio as we talk Sasquatch. And then at the bottom of the next half hour, we're going to get to his near-death experience in that final half hour with Nicholas as well because, I mean, this is a kid who is experiencing a lot for just 22 years old. I mean, he's barely into the beer scene. Never mind Sasquatch. Barely into the beer scene, and he's having all this stuff happen. We're going to learn more when we return on Spaced Out Radio. We'll take some of your questions as well if you're one of our chat rooms. Stay tuned. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. All right, Dirty Filth, you got the screen. Nicholas, I'll be right back. I'm just going to mute you, okay?
2: Alright.
5: <coughs> oh, yeah. It looks like we're doing Mongolian Death worm and some other stuff today here. They didn't mute me. One second, I need more color. My tray is devoid of what I require at this moment. And tell everybody in the chat room that I... sort of moved my computer to the side so I can see, but I'm still not looking at it. I apologize. Trying to get the right color for the Kentucky Goblin. For my specific version of the Kentucky Goblin, to be more precise. It's not working so far. That's alright, we'll work through it. Someday, somebody will get this. Oh, there's whiskey breath. Yeah. Yeah, I should be grumpy tonight. Yeah. I hope everybody else is uh, enjoying the night. Here's Brown Dwarf and Blomber. Hi, Brown Dwarf and Blomber. Hi, Chris. Time. Oh, I didn't do the Dave thing. I apologize. Go away, whiskey. I've got very important business to take care of. I apologize for my cat. Oh, the Kentucky Goldman's getting a little bit of purple on his near future background. She so has some music playing. You know what? I can play music because I've got my headphones on. You guys can't hear it, so score for me. So in other news, I ate two paydays, or I ate one payday the other day. I keep one to Mrs. Phil. But I bought two. You can't get them in Canada very often. So every time I see them, I just buy the whole box. There was only three left, and I gave one to my other friend, because I'm generous like that. Everybody should get a chance to eat payday at one point in time in their life. Oh no. I just ruined it for Dave. YouTube's going to shut him down for me talking about it. Sorry, Dave. Ruined the night. Alrighty, a little bit more purple in there. I cleaned up the art room a bit so I don't know where my fancy my fancy purple is. It's somewhere. I don't got time to look for it. So we're just using the old trusty. Yeah, if I was Nicholas, I'd just be sweating to death right now. It take, takes some, takes some guts to go up there and tell people about things that you probably don't tell most people about. So, huge respect to that. I'm sweating to death just drawing cartoons, and nobody can even see me, and I have nothing to say, really. So I can imagine having to, like, put up an entire show. Okay. Background's good enough. I'll have a little more purple later. By the way, if I've never mentioned it, I keep spinning the page, because it's just easier for me to paint that way instead of trying to get it into the small edges. It's just... It's just the way she goes. The Kentucky Goblin's going to have the magical yellow eyes to match the stars. Because why not? At this point, I've just been drawing the Kentucky Goblin in my own style for so long, it's probably inaccurate. So if you're interested what a Kentucky Goblin is, you'll just have to
1: All right, guys. search it up somewhere. we got 30 seconds left. Sorry about that. Why, did you fart? No, I wish. EMF, you're unbelievable. Oh! Unbelievable. Simon, thank you so much for that super chat, along with D. Cohen. Really do appreciate that. And we're going to get going here in about 20 seconds.
5: Excellent. I'm going to mute
1: myself, Dave. All right, you mute yourself. Bruce, how you doing, buddy? Good to, have to ask cats. Good, to, good to have you back. And uh, uh, we're going to get going here in 10 seconds, guys. Hi, Stunning Jessica S.
2: You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook's Spaced Out Radio Show.
1: Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live. At KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Valacula. Valakula is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the pl- Clam sets the password each and every night. Right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Pooh's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok. At Spaced Out Radio, we continue on tonight with Nicholas Shaughnessy, young man out of Texas who's had some incredible Sasquatch experiences. And we're going to continue with this conversation tonight because this is a guy who goes hunting, hiking, fishing. In the middle of the night, Ghost finds his spot in the middle of the forest until Sasquatch comes around and starts hanging out with him. You know, they have a party, sing some music. Sasquatch plays guitar, brings the beef jerky. You know how it goes. Nicholas, welcome back. Good to be here. All right, man. I got to talk to you about this, man, because, you know, for our listeners just tuning in, I mean going out in the wilderness alone there's always a, a, a big danger around that. I mean you don't have the big animals like we do around here in British Columbia, but you got a lot of stuff that could kill you there. You got a lot of snakes. Uh mm-hmm. you got you know the the hogs aren't aren't very friendly, you know? I mean mm-hmm. you got a lot of stuff there. I'll get you. Why why do you go out alone?
2: Uh, most people that I know are a little too scared to go camping out in the woods in remote areas with me, so I was never really one to be scared of the woods alone. I mean, most of the time I've been in the woods, has always been alone. So to me, it's like, it's not crazy to me, but to other people, I can understand how it seems a little weird, but just how I roll, I don't know.
1: Outside of the Sasquatch, have you had close encounters with Wild Game?
2: Oh, yeah, I've... Had plenty of things. Hogs seem to be the biggest problem. They've been charged by hogs two or three times. That'll That'll get your heart rate going. I've been surrounded by coyotes once and they followed me out of the woods, howling and stuff, yipping, right? I was walking down a power line and a mountain lion walked 20, 30 yards right in front of me, stopped, looked at me, and then just walked on nonchalantly. So I've had some pretty weird animal encounters too. It's one in a million, though, but if you spend enough time in the woods, you start having encounters that most people wouldn't. I mean, I'm spending two, three days out there alone at a time sometimes, so that's things happen.
4: To germs, your toothbrush is irresistible. They turn out in the millions and aren't afraid of a quick rinse in the sink. That's why Izzo, the first and only 4-in-1 at-home oral care system, kills 99.9% of germs on your brush with a unique UVC sanitizing case. Brush with confidence at IzzoSmile.com. Izzo, smile on. Introducing Izo, a revolution in at-home oral care so bright that it outshines the competition. The first and only 4-in-1 at-home oral care system lets you brush, polish, scale, and sanitize for a cleaner, wider smile. Take your smile and confidence to a place it's never been at IzzoSmile.com. Izzo, smile on.
1: Okay, so getting back to this area where you're having constant, I'm going to call it communication, even though there's not really any talking going on, but this communication with Sasquatch, do you feel it's the same creature every time? I
2: have a feeling it's not just one. I think it's a group of anywhere from, like, Minimum three, probably three to four, maybe three, four or five, something like that. A smaller group because I found small footprints, a footprint, rather. One of the footprints I found was really small. Then I found another one that's pretty big and I found one that's like a lot bigger, you know. So I think there's at least three of them just from the foot sizes I've found. But I think there's more than that. Three to five probably.
1: So, do you think that they have an interest in you as well? Or are they just investigating, hey, who's this, who's this human in our territory?
2: I think at first it was probably a who's this human in our territory type of thing. But over time, it almost became I sound weird, relational, sort of like a relationship between where they. I think they gained trust in me over time. So, I mean, I don't just go to the woods, and I know a lot of people go to the woods, and they waste things. You know, they shoot something or fish, and they just leave it on the bank to die and rot. You know what I mean? I go out there. I pick up trash. I bring at least one or two trash bags and clean up other people's junk. I even leave fish. If I catch enough fish, I'll leave two or three fish for them. You know, I killed a couple squirrels. I'll leave a couple squirrels or rabbits for them. So I think it almost becomes, like, relational at a point, just how I felt about it. But they didn't come and kill me. (laughs) So basically, like,
1: you're leaving offerings of peace for them.
2: Somewhat. It's just like, I understand they're out there and they probably like eating the same things I like eating. And if I have enough to, it's not like an every time. Sometimes I'll just leave a couple fish, leave a rabbit or something just out there on that rock face. And it's always gone by the time I get back there the next day or a couple days after, so. Kind of.
1: Well, I mean, nature says that could be anything. It could be coyotes. It could be the pigs. It could be uh, Mm -hmm. anything. Why do you, uh, in in your mind, why do you feel it's it's something to do with Sasquatch?
2: Probably my own bias, because I believe it for them. I'm just assuming it's them that's taking it. I mean, they're there around me most of the time when I go, so they're probably watching me leave it there, in my opinion. I mean, just because you don't see them around doesn't mean they're not. So I think probably my own bias because I think I'm leaving it for them, so I assume it's them taking it, right?
1: Right, and, and to be honest with you, I, I think that makes logical sense. Uh, so my, here's my question to you regarding this then. When when you are out there, have you ever had any type of offerings left back, like, almost in exchange?
2: Um, Nothing that's, like, outwardly, like, oh, this could be from them. I've had, like, smaller critters left and sort of items left. I had, like, a orange, like, safety belt of some sort that the female end of the buckle on the belt was placed around a twig. While I was sitting there fishing. And then I got back and walked down the trail. And it wasn't there. It wasn't there when I had gotten in. But it was there when I had gone up to left. To leave. So I don't know if that could be what you mean by offering exactly. But found some pretty cool like rocks. Other than that. That's the only thing I've had. Were that the, I think they could have left.
1: Were the rocks stacked?
2: Not really stacked. It's more so like. It's like one rock is out of the way. Sitting on the middle of the trail. And it's always like. The rocks near me aren't, like, smooth. I guess up near you, they have, like, the smooth rocks. Those are, like, rare to find out here. And it's always, like, a very smooth, circular-shaped rock. It's almost, like, perfect. And it always just, it's, like, sitting right there to where I can't miss it. So,
1: and, and what people should understand, too, is when you spend a lot of time outdoors – nature and most of us are city folk even if we live in live in small towns the majority of us are not wandering into the forest into areas that we're not familiar with and the and then that percentage goes a little bit smaller when you know people like nicholas come out and and take advantage of what nature has to offer which is which is its beauty its hidden areas its hidden gems and so these are the areas where you know it's said that a lot of sasquatch hang out because they don't want to you know they don't want to wander on the main path where they may be seen or disturbed or anything like that. It's very rare when we see that happening. They're usually in areas that are, you know, are less traveled. you know, a lot of game trails, you know, more so than a lot of hiking trails, so to speak. So, you know, the fact that, you know, you were able to observe, you know, when you're walking down a path, and I never believed this before until my buddy, little Marky Spender, told me taught me this. You know, you're walking down a path, you know when a rock is out of place. You know when something has been moved or, or something has been disturbed or all of a sudden there's scat in the middle of the trail. You know, I, I don't know mm-hmm. how many times I've been walking on a trail and you come back and you're like, geez, was that bear scat there right before when we were walking down this trail previously, you know, it's happened, you know, and, and with nature, animals are so, so amazingly, uh, perfect in their camouflage where you could be walking down a trail. You could be walking right beside a bear or a deer or, or whatever. And it's just going (laughs) to sit there and watch you and you don't even notice it.
2: Oh yeah. I've, had a coyote walk by. I was sitting up in a little tree stand, and a coyote walked by, only fifty yards away in leaf in the leaves, and I did not hear a single footstep from this coyote. Probably German Shepherd sized coyote making zero noise. So that's a big. You never know what's around you.
1: Yeah, that's a big coyote mm-hmm. too. So the fact that you started seeing things that were out of place, like this belt and and rocks in the middle of the trail. I mean, a coyote isn't going to move a rock and put it in the middle of the trail. You know, uh, something with hands would.
2: Yes, just like the orange buckle I found where a female side of the buckle was placed through a small twig right in the middle of... It's not a trail that I walk on. It's a, it's a game trail, really. And it, over time, me walking through it has made it somewhat more... trail. It's not a hiking trail. It's made by, like, the city or Corps of Engineers. So it's hard to miss those slight sub, especially an orange buckle on a tree right where you walk. Right? That takes fingers, in my opinion, to put the female end of the buckle through a branch.
1: Well, not only that, but if you're hiking on a trail and you're the only one out there that you know of, on your way through, you're going to see something orange. Mhm. you know that's gonna, gonna st- miss it you're not gonna miss it that's gonna stand out okay so here you have this clan that that you're kind of getting to know have you tried at now that you're more into the cryptid side have you tried to to communicate more with it or have you developed a plan on how to to gain more communication as you head out there
2: Um, not so much. I did have, I really didn't want to tell this story on it, but I'll give it to y'all just because it's it's a really weird one. And, you know, you talk about this type of thing, people think you're crazy, but I don't think anyone's going to be judging me here. And I'm already here, right?
1: Well, you know, we do do like our woo around here, you know?
2: Well, this is, this is woo so much to where it was too much woo for me to where I actually stopped going out there for, I stopped going to the woods Totally for probably like four to six months after this, just because of how weird it was. Um, so it was one of those nights I'd gone out camping. and I'd gone a little deeper than I normally had. I usually hike about three, three ish miles to the rock face or thereabouts. And I camped right there on the river. Well, I started going deeper and deeper more. So as to like to research, what's going on back here. Right. Thought to go deeper and just see like, maybe I can find something cool, like a structure or something with their, living in, maybe, you know what I mean? I found a lot of tree structures type of things, right? Big branches torn out of the ground that are a foot foot diameter tree just torn out of the ground somehow. I've seen some weird things, but on one particular night, I don't remember the exact date of it. I had gone out there alone, and I ended up going, like, probably seven-ish miles, like, farther than I normally go to camp in a new spot out by a creek because I followed the creek all the way. I mean, the creek kind of bends up and then it keeps going parallel with the forest and I followed the parallel probably another couple miles and that's where I'd spent the night on this like, little hill that's out there. and Everything was kind of normal. I didn't really have many like communications the whole time. It was kind of a quiet night, quiet day. And I was only going to go out there and spend one night. So I grabbed my tarp grab my phone, sleeping pad, and a little camping pillow. I mean, when you go seven miles out, you have to carry everything on your backpack. Right? So I'm, I'm sleeping under a tarp just in case it does rain on a sleeping pad with a sleeping bag and a little pillow. I mean, nothing crazy, right? Well, I had something... I had gone to bed... Nothing weird was going on. I had a feeling of something, like they were around me. I guess I guess, there's a feeling of when they're around. I don't know, I'm sure people have said it before, there's a feeling you get, and you get familiar, and it's like almost like a light switch where are like, oh, they're nearby. right? Uh, I had that feeling about nine-ish at night, and then I went to bed because you get tired when you're out in the woods, especially when the sun goes down, you pretty much go to sleep you right um i remember i was got up to take a pee or something early in the morning couldn't tell you the exact time i wasn't looking at my phone phone wasn't it was in my backpack and uh i heard uh for all matter of i mean english and like words in my head that weren't mine that uh it was three words. It was "we are here," and that was it. "We are here," in my head, and it wasn't my, it wasn't like my thoughts, right? Like I know, like everyone has thoughts, you know. Thoughts sound like this was like something outside of me, and it was "we are here," and that was it. And I guess you know, through doing research, people call it mind speak that could have been one of these instances but that scared the crap out of me and so much to where I thought I was going to give up the woods forever so
1: why why would that scare Sorry. you after everything you have gone through why would those words we are here scare you out of the forest
2: <sighs> something of, a little too close to like like, when you go to the woods in the manner that, like, any sort of woodsman, you got to keep a good head about you. I mean, when you start hearing words that aren't your, your like, a thought, per, like, words that aren't yours in your head when you're seven miles out in the middle of the woods, there's just something about it that just rubbed you the wrong way for some reason. I just, that just scared the crap out of me for some reason. Because I, I didn't know exactly what we were messing with. I thought it was just a big ape this was something that said we were messing with something a lot more than some sort of ape, you know, animal in the woods for a matter of fact, right? Uh, it, was, it was just too much for me to comprehend. That's why.
1: So when you heard that, did you just pack up and leave?
2: I actually spent the night. I curled up into the bottom corner of the tarp, curled up, had my handgun, like, with me right and i sat it out i ended up falling asleep i woke up in the morning and everything was like peaceful again i don't know just normal woods again in the morning but i ended up spending the night oh goodness man i fell asleep like very quick i was trying to get my try to not think about it i mean my fear was what if where this is I mean, seven miles is not an easy hike, especially at nighttime with no trails. I mean, that's going to be a hard hike out. You're better off just spending the night. So, that's what I did.
1: Have you gone back there since?
2: I have. Uh, I, I end up stopping – I stopped going to the woods totally, which, I mean, that gives you an idea. What woodsman stops going to the woods totally for, for a long time is uh, – Something serious went on. That's all I can explain it as. Something that I was too much for me to handle. I can understand the footprints and all that, but once you start getting into voices in your head, that's really weird to me because I've never had, you know, I have no mental health issues or nothing of that matter. You know what I mean? And you hear, "We are here in your head." I mean, how do you, how do you rationalize that? I couldn't. It was almost like a PTSD type thing for couple months. So so much to the fact that when I start going back to the woods, I hike out 100, 200 yards and then I'd get like too scared and I just have to go right back to the car. I had to wean myself back into going to the woods after that experience.
1: Do you think they were trying to put that fear in you or the reality of the situation is what hit you?
2: I think the reality of the situation that I'm not messing with what I thought I was messing with. I assume these are more animalistic type creatures, and this was something that went more into the supernatural, you know, woo side, right? And uh, I just wasn't ready for that at that time.
1: How do you feel about it now?
2: Mm, still kind of weird, but I, I can kind of comprehend it a lot more now because I've done a lot more research, and I realize you're not the only one. I thought I'm this lone crazy guy seven miles out in the woods and I'm hearing voices in my head. What's wrong with me, right? I thought there's something wrong with me and I need to – I'm going crazy from staying out in the woods too long alone or something like that. So now I take it kind of matter of fact, but I don't talk about it with many people until now with your – however many listeners, right? But
1: Oh, nobody's listening. It's just weird. Nobody's listening. It's just
2: you and me, man. The only reason I bring it up though is because this is things that happen to people and I'm sure I'm not the only one. You know what I mean? Right. So if you know if I can say it and someone else had something similar happen and they're willing to talk about it now, that's a win in my book. So
1: now did you eventually put this happenstance together with your buddy who had the vomiting experience?
2: Yes, I, he was, I only told two people about that experience for two years now, like a little, probably a little under two years now until now. I only talked about it with my father, because I knew he wouldn't judge me, and my buddy Alden, who was the one who had thrown up. And uh, he thought it was kind of weird, but he believed me. And I thought... At least he's not going to make fun of me and tell me, oh, you're crazy and not talk to me again, right? So I did talk to him about it, and I talked to him about most of the stuff that happened to me. So much of the fact that he started going to the woods with me, and he started experiencing similar things. So it's one thing me telling you what happened, and then you go to the woods, and things are happening to you firsthand. You know, it's kind of like a, hey, I wasn't kidding with you. I wasn't pulling your, you know, yanking your chain, right? So, wow. Wow. I would yeah.
1: love for you to get back out in that area. Love for you to get back. I
2: out had there. afterwards. And uh, there was actually, I'll tell how much time we got left. We
1: got about 30 seconds. So... Hold that story, all right. I'll tell you. And, I, and I do have a question from the audience coming in for you. So we're going to go about another okay. 15 minutes on Sasquatch with Nicholas, and then his final 15 minutes, we're going to get into his near-death experience and what he experienced with that. It's a great show tonight, Nicholas Shaughnessy, all the way from Texas. He's a avid outdoorsman. He's an out. Uh, he's now a Sasquatch researcher because of his own personal experiences and close encounters. How much better does it get than that? Yeah, that's what we're dealing with tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Nicholas Shaughnessy is our guest. No books, no movies, no documentaries, just personal experiences of what happens when you venture into the woods of Texas alone. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. All right, we're clear. All righty. So, yeah, I was going to
2: talk about that experience, but
1: dude, that's a fantastic so experience. Well, Absolutely, yeah, that one Absolutely just messed fantastic.
2: With me fantastic very bad.
1: Yeah, dirty Phil. You've got
5: to, you've got to get um, Nicholas uh, Super Duke's email.
1: Oh, they so uh, you can They talk already to talked. Robin. Yeah, we, okay. Yeah, Duke. We got to hook up Nicholas with Robin. Felipe Fierro, how you doing, buddy? Dennis Zuniga, a good veteran. He'll go with you. He says, what part of the Texas is this? I need to visit these woods. So here.
2: I will not see the exact location due to... I don't want people going to the exact location and messing something up. I don't think it's fair to what's out there, but... It's out. Uh, it's outside of DFW. Um, how can I? I can't really say much because someone knows. They'll know the area.
1: Well, you let's know just what? say
2: Grapevine Lake.
1: You know what? Backside if, of Grapevine Lake area. If Dennis can reach out to you, how about that? Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, I haven't been
2: out there in a while, just because I, I recently moved here about two months ago. Out West a lot more, so it's probably an hour, hour and a half drive to get back there from where I live now. Yeah. So it used to be 20 minutes down the road, so I'd go there every time.
1: I was out at my uh, one of my gift sites, and we hadn't been back there since last year. And mm-hmm. everything was destroyed.
0: Your small business is a big deal. Grow it even bigger with SEMrush, the all-in-one marketing platform. Attract new customers and outrank competitors. Visit SEMrush.com grow for a free trial.
3: It's another hurricane season. And right about now, residents are busy fortifying their nests against damage. This year, they're preparing with flood insurance. They've learned it's the extra layer of protection that prevents them from paying out-of-pocket or pouch for costly repairs. You too should trust your instincts this season. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit FloodSmart.gov. Everything. By what? Well, How so? uh
1: let's see... We had two toy cars out there. Uh, Those were, uh, one of them had the tire, the rubber tire bit off. Um, Thank you, Dry Toast. Uh, The plastic ball that was sitting in the tree, uh, the basketball, that was out in front of the tree about about six feet with uh, teeth puncture wounds, but very small teeth. Not big teeth, very small teeth. Like, uh, like uh, I don't know, like, I don't want to say rodent size, a little bit bigger, but nothing massive. Uh, the other car uh, had one of its tires kind of pulled off. Um, the nickel, the 2019 Canadian nickel, is missing... And two of the three glass rocks that we had were buried in the dirt.
2: Interesting.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, there was a lot of moose and deer tracks in the area and signs. Mm, Gotcha. So, uh, excuse me. I cannot say that it was Sasquatch when it could have easily been a moose. And, like, dude, you couldn't walk fifteen, 15, 20 feet without seeing a giant pile of moose droppings.
2: Wow. All over the place, then. Yeah.
1: And for anybody who's never seen moose droppings, uh, they look like giant chocolate-covered almonds. They're hilarious.
2: <laughs> it's kind of like elk droppings? Because I've seen elk scat before.
1: I haven't seen elk. No, not like bear. I mean, not like deer. Like deer, are like pel- like little round pellets. Yeah, yeah. No, no. These uh-huh. are these are like almond shaped, uh, like chocolate covered almonds in like an oval shape. Huh. Got a bunch of questions for you. Hi, Thurston Howell the Third. Hi, stunning Pam Smith. <sighs> excuse me for the yawning guys I apologize um, the fact that there's
2: animal sign around there is that's the one weird part about this area that I I guess you know researched in was the lack of wildlife yeah a lot of the time no animals I've seen a couple of pigs here and there I've seen yeah. one squirrel once things started getting close.
1: Our gifting Which sucks f- when you're out there hunting. Yeah.
2: Sucks when you're hunting.
1: <laughs> well, our gifting site has moose, coyotes, wolves. We've seen cat tracks, deer tracks, obviously, uh, bear tracks. Like, everything interacts in this area. So, hmm. we only got about 10 seconds. Thank you to D. Cohen, Simon, Dennis, and Dry Toast for the awesome Super Chats tonight. Very much appreciate your love and support. And don't forget, if you're looking for some cool S.O.R. swag, head on over to our website and hit up our store. Here we go. We passed the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much for tuning us in. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate it. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do us the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Pooh's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram, at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok, at Spaced Out Radio. We have, until the top of the hour, Nicholas Shaughnessy. He's been telling us about his amazing close encounters with Sasquatch in the state of Texas. Nicholas is going to take some questions here from the audience here, and then in a few minutes' time, we're going to get into his near-death experience. Nicholas, welcome back.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: All right, let's get to some questions from the audience. Brown Dwarf is wondering, did you document any of your findings or happenings?
2: I've taken pictures of some of the odd things, like footprints, taking pictures. Of, I know two for sure. Third one could be, could be, and I've, I have a little video of a fourth one, but I've taken pictures of tree structures and like kind of weird things like that, but. If he means documenting, such as writing like a booklet with dates and times, and no.
1: All right, let's move on to the next question here. This one comes from Dennis. Yeah, what part of Texas is this? He wants to go visit with you, and you said somewhere just uh, northeast of Dallas, Fort Worth?
2: Yes. If anyone knows, out near Roanoke, Texas. It's Roanoke and Justin, Texas. There you go. If you know the area, then you can't miss it. That side of the railroad.
1: Felipe wants to know, have you ever had an encounter with a chupacabra? I know you have some of these creatures in Texas.
2: I have not. seen manged coyotes, but nothing I can say is a chupacabra.
1: All right, we got a pair of questions here from Alien Critter. Nicholas, have you had any UFO sightings while out in the wilderness? I have. Oh, t- tell us this story then.
2: Um, pretty much. Uh, I've seen weird lights in the sky once, where I don't even know if it's a UFO or an orb, but there's something just shooting through the sky that it can just stop and it hovers there and it pulsates. It happened to me once with buddies, where there was a green light pulsating when we were on the backside of the lake fishing and camping one night. It was a green light pulsating in the sky. And it was sitting there for about 20 minutes. And why, why we didn't film it, I had no idea. There's something about it where you just don't think about filming it. And uh, I went to take a leak, and I came back, and my buddies were freaking out. Because where that green light had been, they said it had shot into nothingness at a rate they, had, they couldn't explain. So I didn't get to see it disappear, but I believe both of my buddies, when they say they saw the same thing.
1: Right on. All right, let's get to Purpose and Grace. Did you keep any of the rock gifts? That were left for you.
2: I have kept two of them. I don't have them with me right now because you know, still got stuff from moving and boxes. They're in a box somewhere. There's some pretty cool ones in boxes somewhere.
1: And a follow-up from Purpose and Grace: When you heard the voice, what did it sound like?
2: The so we are here. Um, it's kind of like a. Sounded male like, um, but not. Uh, it's hard to explain exactly how it sounded, but it was like an, a male English voice that wasn't mine. If that makes sense. Is uh, clearly English. We are uh, we are here, and male. So that was not my own.
1: All right. Just a couple more questions that we have for this. So now that you have kind of moved and you're getting settled into your new area, you know, do you find the passion to go back out there to those areas to explore it more on a research level rather than just going out fishing?
2: Um, well, I'll try to make this quick, but I had a very, I'd never had really any aggressive encounters, but I did. Um, probably a little, like probably a year ago, here coming up probably a year ago. I was camping with my buddy, Luke, and we didn't go far. We only hiked down past the bridge near the creek, maybe a mile. And we had set up camp, and we sat around the campfire doing what you do, had a couple beers, ate some camp food like you do. And we heard, my buddy had talked about hearing that the voices. The we were, like that kind of chatter of some sort. And I heard it too. We thought maybe people, cause he doesn't believe in any of this. He's like a skeptic where he doesn't want to believe in anything I talk about. Right. And later at about two ish in the morning, something had started like throwing things into our camp and like charging the camp, like bluff charging where we were. And at the time I had heard something and it's right down like a little hill. It got within about 30 yards. And when it got that close, I had a 12-gauge shotgun. I, you know, did the action. Like, hey, get out of here. And that just made it even angrier. Whatever it was, started freaking out. we got to the point where we looked at each other, didn't say a word. And we decided, we're getting up and we're leaving. And uh, grabbed our fishing poles, grabbed our cooler. And we started just going through the, it felt like a horror movie. Like dark woods with your headlamps on, just running in any direction. You don't know where you're going, you don't care where you're going as long as you're not going the way this thing was. I ended up losing my glasses. I ended all of our fishing poles ended up breaking in half because we were hitting trees just trying to get out of there. We could have stepped on a snake, we could've stepped on anything. But yeah, I ended up losing my glasses, breaking all the fishing poles, and he doesn't talk to me anymore. So I guess whatever I guess they weren't happy with him or something, but that that's the reason I stopped going there. We got ran out, and I got home later, and my mom was there. She's like, what are you doing home at 3 in the morning? She knows how I am. I don't leave at 3 in the morning. Like, I go camping, and I go camping. And she said I, I looked like white as a ghost to the point where I was like, it was just hot. I just want to, like, I'm going to go to bed. She like, actually touched and, like, turned me around and went, what is wrong with, like, what's wrong? I guess the look on my face was telling its own story, you know. And uh, I stopped going there totally after that.
1: When you get to an area like that where you you were that scared to go in, do you think it was something different or a different clan that you were dealing with that, that kind of pushed you out of the area?
2: Um, I talked to Carter, you know, Carter Bouchard about it. He thinks possibly a rogue individual out there. You know, so maybe the we are here is them saying, hey, we are here to protect you from the rogue individual, something of that sorts." But I don't think it was just the clan. I think because I've had other people go out there and had experiences, and it was never aggressive. This was outwardly an aggressive encounter. And I think a rogue individual, something of that sort.
1: Right, that maybe accidentally entered into one of its hunting areas or something along those lines.
2: Maybe. I mean, whatever it was, wasn't scared of a 12 gauge shot, and you know, so if it was a person, they'd probably be running for the hills, you know.
1: Let's go to Jalen here. Do you feel like all of your experiences combined are connected?
2: I would say so. It's almost like a, especially in that area. I think everything's really connected at the end of the day. I'd gone to this area beforehand for my experience in Oklahoma, and nothing had been happening to me there. It's almost like whatever it was somehow followed me 200 miles home to this area of woods I had frequented. So I think it is all connected in a way.
1: Well, I I mean, that almost sounds like a hitchhiker effect that we hear so much that maybe you Mm -hmm. pick something up from that original incident a couple of years ago. And it actually is like what alien critter is asking in the chat room. Have you had any ghost-like encounters while out there?
2: Not ghosts. Um, Seen what you can i guess what you can describe as like lights moving through the woods once i guess orbs um not ghosts though nothing i can say is like a ghostly partition of some sort now
1: bomber wants to know if you've already listened to ronald moorhead sierra sounds and if that was similar to what you heard
2: i have listened to them um Something it's not exactly what I heard, but there's one part of that like the Sierra sounds that really stands out. That like gives me chills. Because I've heard it multiple times. It's like a
6: hoo ha,
2: some sort of like hoo ha, like samurai, like at that that part of the samurai chatter, I have heard multiple times. So yes, somewhat similar. Excellent.
1: All right, we I want to change topics here. Because you recently had a, a near-death experience, and we can't go into mm-hmm. too much detail about it because uh, this situation is uh, getting ready to go to court, so to speak, or legal action getting ready to happen. So we've mm-hmm. got to be real careful with what we say here. But I'm going to let you tell what you feel is what you're allowed to say, and then we'll get into it from there.
2: So how did this happen? I had an accident. It's just say it involved gunshot wound to my left thigh about a month ago. And, uh, you know, ambulance came. Eyes bleed a lot, especially when a bullet goes through it. And they came. They got some bleeding stopped. I was bleeding quite bad. And they put me up on the stretcher, which hurt quite a bit. And they rolled me out to the ambulance, in which... They started hooking me up to all the stuff. You know what I mean? And we had drove maybe 5-10 minutes. Maybe. Like, it was right down the road. And I just blacked out. I just... That's all I can say. I just kind of, like, passed out. And while I was passed out, I had this weird... It almost felt like in the movies where you see people's life flash before them. Kind of like that, but, like, not exactly. It was a little different than how they portray that, but I had feelings and like images from when I was like a kid, but it's like a first person point of view. It's not like I'm watching, like in the movies, you know, you're watching yourself do things with people. It wasn't like that. It was a first person point of view, like riding, a riding bikes when I was with my, my friends when we were kids, right? My first fish I had caught, you know, first kiss. I know, I don't know. That kind of stuff it is uh, just me going through some really, like, good core memories. And then I came back, to before I got through all of them. So I remember the feeling being very, very peaceful, surprisingly. Surprisingly peaceful, no worries. It was the first time in my life I had been at, like, total, like, blissful peace in a way. So, yeah, and then I came back too, and we're getting to the hospital. And well, I, I felt like I was only gone for in that like state for maybe like five minutes, but it had to have been a lot longer because I came back too, and we were. It, my five minutes was real life twenty minutes. If that makes sense. So I don't know if that was blacking out from blood loss or the pain and the shock of the incident. You know what I mean? But they got me to the hospital, got me all taken care of, got me all stitched up, did all their scans and all that kind of crap, and here I am alive talking to you all. And I'm glad for it because I don't want to die at 22.
1: (laughs) Well, you got a lot more Sasquatch encounters to have before uh, kicking off uh, for the final time. But, I mean, the reality of when you blacked out, to when you started seeing those scenes. How
2: long was that? It wasn't right away. There was like a small, like maybe 30 seconds before I started seeing those scenes. And I don't remember much. It was probably more like darkness. It was like, like I'm there and I'm me, but I'm like not there. And like, it's it's weird. I don't know how to explain. It's one of those things you have to, experience to ex- like understand right and it wasn't right away but then it ended up happening i don't remember seeing myself you know people talk about you go up and you see yourself in the back name i don't remember anything like that i just remember it all going dark for about 30 seconds and i thought and then like a very blissful peaceful feeling and then i started seeing these like moments like i started reliving really core memories that I'd had starting at childhood all the way through, like I said, like first kiss type, like high school experiences, too. Like, very weird, very peculiar. Made me feel a lot better because I was always scared to death. And that made me feel a little better about the peacefulness I felt was just interesting. I, it made me feel less bad about, you know, you die, I'd be freaking out. I wasn't freaking out at all. I was very calm in that piece with everything. Very weird.
1: You didn't see any loved ones. You didn't hear any voices. Nothing. It was just going through scenes of your life, kind of.
2: Yes, way. with loved ones as well. Right. Like you know, first time doing things as I'm five years old, whatever, riding a bike, stuff like stuff like that. Loved ones. I, I saw my mother, my mother, and my father, and that was it. Saw a couple friends throughout my childhood, and I didn't make it through the whole reel. I almost felt like there's a reel, and I made it only halfway through, right? So
1: you almost feel ripped off. Made it only
2: up to like kind of, but I part of me is like, did I really want to make it through the reel? Because that's probably not going to end well for me, you know. But I came back too, and the doctors, they, the people in the back, you know, they three guys in the back of the ambulance with me, right? I'm, you know, I had a. A hole through my thigh, they're busy worrying about blood loss, trying to pack a wound, trying to like make blood stop coming out. And they came back, I came back to do it, and I guess they were really happy. So, I don't know what they saw on their machines, I never asked questions, so I don't know if there's records of it somewhere. Of maybe I flatlined because they did have me hooked up to all sorts of stuff, right? All the Everything. I took up to all sorts of wires. They had a thing in my nose, all that kind of stuff. So maybe they were, they saw me flatline for a while. I don't know. I didn't see anything about it. They didn't tell me anything about it, but they seemed relieved that I was, like, back and responding again. So maybe going into shock, I think maybe, something like that.
1: That is very cool. That That is very mm-hmm. cool. I mean, tell us about what that piece is like. Like you said, it was very peaceful. What does that feel like?
2: It's hard to even put it in words. If I'm honest, Um, it's one of—I mean—you have to experience it to explain it in a weird way. Like I can't tell you exactly how it feels, but like feeling of total contentness. You know, sometimes you get those like waves of like, ah, I'm in a good place. Like, you know, you get those bits in your life where everything just seems to be put in place where you need to be. you can almost take, like, a deep breath and sit back. You almost get this, like, peacefulness from that. It was similar to that, but times a thousand. I mean, unlike anything I could compare to the real world, really. It's in its own category.
1: Did you feel pain? Or was it all...
0: Your small business is a big deal. Grow it even bigger with SEMrush, the all-in-one marketing platform. Attract new customers and outrank competitors. Visit SEMrush.com slash grow for a free trial.
3: It's hurricane season. Flood insurance can help you avoid paying out-of-pocket for costly damage. It's time to trust your instincts. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit FloodSmart.gov.
1: Love or... Or just cherishing the moments as you were viewing them.
2: No pain whatsoever. It was almost, it was happy, happy go lucky. I mean, it was enjoyable. I hate to say it, but it was enjoyable. It was no pain, no worries about you know you're always worrying about what I do tomorrow or I got this done. No worries about anything. Just like, ah, just yeah. I, it's hard to put into words, really. It's a, something in its own category, in my opinion. No pain. I didn't feel pain till I got to the hospital. <laughs> I mean, because you got so much adrenaline going through. You know, for the first... It took, I live a little more out in the country, so it took me about 15, 20 minutes to come get me. Towards the end of that, once they put me on the stretcher, that hurt a little bit because they had to pick my leg up. But no pain until I got to the hospital. So...
1: Okay. Yeah. So the fact that you were blacked out, did you talk to any of the, the EMTs or doctors or nurses about it?
2: I asked them if I'm alive. I was like, am I going to live through this? Am I alive? Like, yeah, you're good. Like, just keep talking to us. They just want me to keep talking to them for some reason. You know, like, keep talking to me. Keep you going until we get to the hospital. And then it I was kind of feeling decent once I got to the hospital. I was actually talking to them, normal conversation, they started giving me some drugs to, like, numb the pain. I don't remember. I think it was, like, fentanyl or something. And I heard them say fentanyl, and I started freaking out. Like, wait, y'all put fentanyl into me? Am I going to die from that? They're like, relax. You're okay. Like, we're going to take care of you. So, yeah, I remember asking them multiple times, like, am I alive? And that feeling of being alive didn't – like, I didn't – I remember being in the operating room, cause they build me in through the back door, like, medical emergency, right? And I was sitting there, and everyone's asking me questions, and I'm just – amazed i'm like here it almost seems surreal like something out of a movie then after about an hour i realized like i'm alive like i'm here like i'm all me still so that's real just going through that you know you don't don't take another day for granted after something like that no doubt just happy to be awake in the morning
1: well that's gonna feel good man that's gonna feel good i mean gosh i've never gone through that i hope i don't you know, but for those who have the majority of the time it's stories like yours. it's very peaceful, it's very calm. Did you hear any music or or outside of your parents or or yourself in a first person? Did you have any uh encounters with other people or spiritual beings?
2: No, no encounters with anything. I never like I was there the. It's weird, it's weird to explain, like, I'm there, but I'm not there. Like me and my like my body who you see, Nicholas Shaughnessy, is not there. But like whatever you are to yourself, I guess call it spirit, soul, whatever, like that was there. Like I'm some like I'm there, but in a different way than I am here on the real world. But I never saw any other people or beings or anything of that. I just went through that highlight reel for until about age 12, 13, and then I came back to. I came back to, and I'm looking dead at the ceiling of a ambulance. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Wow.
1: So out of all the experiences you have had now, where you've seen a UFO, you've had a near-death experience, you have had these interactions with cryptid creatures, you've seen orbs going through the trees at night in the middle of the forest where there should be no light whatsoever. What do you think's going on mm-hmm. with
2: you? I have no idea. I My buddies think I'm some sort of like magnet to weird stuff for some reason. I haven't, you know, I seem to be mostly Bigfoot and like wood stuff, but I guess that's because I'm out there so much. You know, I was going out there so often it's kind of, I Haven't seen like ghosts. I haven't been like put on a UFO craft or nothing. And we don't have the time now to. But the missing time that had happened, but I don't remember anything from that. So something's going on. I don't know what, but I kind of wish I could go back to my normal life where I don't have to worry about anything weird in the woods. I can just go out there and nod off on a tree, take a siesta, and not worry. But I'd be I I'd be more can't worried. do that anymore.
1: I would be more worried about the hogs coming up and feeding on you than the Sasquatch.
2: That's I agree. Sure. It's just, it's just different, you know. I understand wild animals, but when you get into something that we don't know anything about, that we don't have guaranteed like knowledge of, such as, you know, Sasquatch, all that kind of stuff, it's just a different feeling. So I understand wildlife. I know how to deal with a hog. If you run up on a hog and he's backed up, he's probably gonna come right to you. But when you hear something following you in the woods, bipedal following you, what do you do? There's no, like, rule set on what you're supposed to do with these types of things. So that's kind of what I mean.
1: We all know that. Nicholas, thank you so much for sharing your story tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Absolutely awesome, my friend. And we will do it again, so thank you so much. Thank you to Dirty Filth for the amazing art. Coming up next on Spaced Out Radio, it's the UFO Report. Tim Sinar is going to be with us, giving us the report tonight and throughout this week. We'll be back with more spaced out radio when we return on the mighty Sor for hour three. Good job, kiddo. Good job. Appreciate it. Yeah, that was pretty cool, man.
2: Everyone, if I wasn't my first time on something like this, I'm trying to figure out.
1: All that, uh Once you got through the nerves, kiddo, you were awesome. You were awesome. That last ninety minutes was really? fantastic radio.
2: Well, thanks for having me on. I'm telling
1: you right now, I, I, w- I want to get my ass down there and uh, and uh, go out with you there, man. I do. Uh, a couple people oh. asking for your email in the chat room. I'll let you decide whether or not you want to put that in. And uh, I will let you go at this time, Nick.
2: All right. I appreciate it, everyone.
1: Take care, buddy. Everyone,
2: Dave. You You too, too, Phil.
1: Have a good night, sir. Dirty Filth, it's all on you, buddy. Mr. Cowley, welcome back to the show. Oh, Mr. Cowley. Loves his spaced out radio. One of these days I gotta come up with the second stanza. I'll be right back, dirty filth, it's a dirty like filth ten, show now.
5: That's been like ten years, oh. Dave. Yeah, it's going rocking with me. Right at the end of the cartoons. What was that have for cartoons tonight? Whole bunch of art cards. If you go to Vegas next year, you might get one. I'll probably just put it in your pocket. You wouldn't even know about it. So these, I originally bought some art cards. And they were a certain size, and then I couldn't buy them anymore because the company discontinued them. Whatever. And uh, so I just took one of the last art cards I have left, which is the Whiskachu, which is my cat in Pokemon form, and uh, I just. With that so turns out this paper that i use or like cardstock whatever is only um, eight cards wide and then these little strips on the side so i went well i guess i'll just draw cartoons on there too so that's what i did You would hear the clinking and the clanking of me watering my weapon of choice here. So, yeah, I don't know. And they uh, discontinued, like I was saying, they discontinued this type of, or the original stuff that I was using years ago. So, I've just been using this ever since, and it works out good because. Sometimes I like drawing these weird flaw patterns. It's a good space filler, really, is what it is. It's kind of like a little practice page. I should have like a dirty filth coloring book, like save all my drawings and not color them and scan them first and sell the coloring book for $10,000 a shot. Or a lifetime supply of pizza. Let me go for that right now, starving to death. I'm starving. My tape room's starving. Blob is starving. I know whiskey's starving. All the cats are starving. Nonetheless, though, we get these little weird bouquets of flowers. Except for this one. This is like a virus of some sort. It's an alien flower. Let's find a weird color. Um, Can't find a sufficient weird color at this point in time. We'll work on that one later on. Yeah, I've been drawing these art card things for about 10,000 years now. you just sneak them into people's pockets and junk as you're doing stuff. Leave them on a table. I left someone a mailbox one time and some lady was like, hey, I live in... I think she lives in, like, Yellowknife or something. She's like, oh, I was just in Edmonton. And I found these in the mailbox. Little and I, I didn't color them, actually. I deliberately didn't color them. And she was like... Am I allowed to paint these? It's like, well, yeah, they're yours now. So she painted them. It was pretty cool. It's kind of like an art collaboration, an unintentional art collaboration. I did the Edmonton Art Walk. Sort of collaborated with the. Lady, the next doll right, towards dirty. me. How you doing? Hi, Dave. I'm struggling to keep talking while I'm painting here because I just go into a void.
1: Well, you are a void. No, I'm dauntless, Dave. <laughs> Big thank you tonight to Bigfoot, Rob, Cat Chaser, Dry Toast, Dennis, Simon. And Dee Cohen for the amazing super chats. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show. Thank you to everybody who's given us a thumbs up. We're ten away from one hundred. We'd really like to get one hundred thumbs up if you haven't already. We'd appreciate it. And thank you to all the veterans who are tuning on in tonight. We really do appreciate it. Here we go, everyone, with the third hour. Oh, good to beat myself. I, I, I
2: you like to connect with us head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info now back to dave scott and sor
1: third and final hour of spaced out radio is now underway good to have you with us my name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us, Clam? Valakula. Valakula is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night, right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Pooh's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with another edition of The Swamp as we head into the Swamp Dwellers area for another spooky story.
6: I have been contemplating submitting my stories, and while listening to the Mississippi Horror Stories episode, one story reminded me of an experience I have been thinking of sharing. I want to share more in the future, but this is the most recent. I am a young woman in my early twenties. I am a full-time college student, but I like to travel as much as possible because I do photography, and this past year I have picked up solo traveling and road trips. I live in North Carolina, and as I was driving on the way back from visiting Atlanta, Georgia, I have been making this trip since my childhood because my family is from around that area. And since traveling alone, I have done this quite a few times. I'm very comfortable making this trip. I like traveling late at night because there's no traffic, so the time frame of this story is between 1 to 2 AM. I'm in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina. It couldn't have been too middle of nowhere because I was on the interstate, which I am familiar with, but there is a part that doesn't have much of anything for quite some time. I had not seen any signs for gas stations in a minute. The signage was dirty and outdated, you know the look, so I knew I was in the country, but I had to use the bathroom incredibly bad. I usually try to avoid rest stops late at night, but I had a feeling one was coming up before a gas station, and sure enough, One came up in about two miles. I am pulling in and notice that it seems quite lonely. You know when an area seems like there haven't been people there for a little while, but at the same time, there are a couple of cars in the parking lot, and the parking lot on the other side was full of 18 wheelers, so I wasn't too nervous at all about going to the bathroom. I am not a very fearful person in general. As I pull into the parking lot, you know that rest stops are usually just the one way in, one way out, I am taking note of the cars in the parking lot, and right as the parking lot starts I notice a truck or SUV with a trailer. They're parked right by the entrance, but there were no parking spaces in that particular area. It's just facing out towards the parking lot, so it seems like it's a distant distance from the main building, parked parallel to the driveway, that brings you in. I hope that makes sense. So I notice this and don't think anything of it. For some reason, I tell myself no one is in there. It was very dark and I couldn't see through the windows when I passed by. I pulled into the closest spot that I could that was nearest to the bathroom. I am about to turn off my car, but I wait to situate myself a little, taking off my headphones, grabbing trash, and waiting and seeing if anyone comes out of the bathroom. I also decide to say a little prayer. I specifically said, God, please keep me safe, but I know you will like you always do. I'm not bothered because I need to use the bathroom that bad and just as I was about to get out of the car, I decided to look at my surroundings again. There are three cars total in the parking lot, one parked beside me, another in the direction of the entrance, and the SUV I previously described, and now I noticed their headlights were on. I cannot definitively remember them being on or off when I drove past, but I do remember barely being able to see the vehicle in the first place, so I assumed they would have been off when I pulled into my spot initially. Because of how they were parked facing the parking lot, their lights were shining right in the direction of my car. I found this weird, but I thought they could have been walking their dog or something of the like, but I looked and saw no one outside of the car. I also looked at the other two cars in the parking lot and noticed no one had come out of those either. I also noticed they seemed to have not been turned on for a little bit either. This probably sounds crazy, but I could feel the vehicles were cold, like the engine had not been running for some time and that was highly odd to me as there were other cars farther back behind me that were completely fogged up. That thick, watery condensation fog that builds up on your windshield. Maybe people were getting high or having sex in there, perhaps even both. But like I said, it just gave me the feeling like I had not been on in a while, and both vehicles I presumed were empty for sure. That's why I was waiting to see if at least one of the owners would come out. I just wanted to see some movement before I left my car, and usually... If there are cars at the rest stop, you are bound to see someone getting in or out, some sort of movement. I couldn't shake the feeling that something was off. I was convinced these other two cars had been sitting a while, and that was just so odd to me. Who would leave two seemingly perfect cars in the middle of South Carolina at a rest stop? An empty parking lot would have been more comforting to me. And why was this one vehicle facing me with its lights on? As I previously mentioned, I am not a very scared person, I believe that you attract your fears and negative thinking draws negative things, so it was alarming to me when I pictured myself going into the bathroom and being attacked on the way out. I am rarely paranoid either, but this was the most paranoid I had felt in so long. I never even turned my car off. I looked at the utterly fogged up car one more time and said, no, not tonight. I had never pulled out so fast out of a rest area, and I didn't feel scared. I felt incredibly relieved. And as I pulled off, it was like I could see the people or individuals watching me drive away and I could hear a deep voice in my head say, you made the right choice. I felt something terrible would happen to me if I went to that bathroom. I am a proud supporter of following my gut and intuition. Maybe nothing would have happened, but I wasn't about to try and find out. I believe that night God protected me by prompting me to wait and analyze my surroundings. I know this may not have been the scariest or most climactic story, but thank you for reading it anyway.
1: Well, what do we tell you on this show all the time? Listen to that little voice. Trust that little voice. And I think that's what happened in that story. We want to say thank you to the Swamp Dweller for coming on in and spooking us out once again. You can go hit subscribe on his YouTube channel, YouTube.com forward slash swamp dweller reads. All right, let's get to the UFO report. Tim Senor filling in this week. Let's get her done.
5: Nobody's going to
1: know. They're going to know. <laughs>
7: Dave Scott.
1: Hey, how you doing there, Tim Sinar? Good to have you doing with us well, on the UFO Report. Thank you for coming on in, man.
7: My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, you know what? It's, it's hard to see you. Our radio audience can't see you at all. But for us on the YouTube Twitch...
0: Your small business is a big deal. Grow it even bigger with SEMrush, the all-in-one marketing platform. Attract new customers and outrank competitors. Visit SEMrush.com grow for a free trial. Sure, your phone is amazing, but it's not amazing at playing music in your car. CarThing, Spotify's hardware device, is. Easier access to all your playlists, podcasts, and everything you love. With no lock screen or other distractions. CarThing from Spotify.
1: Side. It's hard to see you. You're in camouflage. Like, are you really there? <laughs> are you really there? No, I'm
7: not. No, I'm not. I'm not here. All right. No, I just blend in with wherever I go.
1: Well, you are that guy. You're, you know, you know, you got that Howie Mandel look to you, and and the fact that <laughs>
7: aerodynamic.
1: you are aerodynamic, my friend. All right. All right, let's get right to it, my friend, because we got a lot of yes. topics to cover here over the next right. little bit of the uh, on the UFO report here. Let's start off with a little bit of news because this one just isn't going away, and I'm going to tell you right now, this one still upsets me, Tim. Still upsets me. I am. I cannot (laughs) shake the anger that I have for NASA playing us like fools, saying that they're getting into UFOs. What's new in this, man?
7: Well, there's a couple of new aspects happening. Um, And so first off, there's America's best astrophysicists are taking UFOs seriously now. And so UFOs or UAPs, now that they're known as UAP, right, as they're more decorously called, have been in the news a lot lately. And so just as of last month, the House Intelligence Committee's Counterintelligence and Counterproliferation Subcommittee conducted their public hearings on more than 140 sightings by military pilots over the past 20 years, right? And so they were discovering that these UAPs were flying in a manner of inexplicable ways, such as bobbing, weaving, hovering, diving, changing direction with head-snapping speed that would produce potentially deadly G-forces to any living being, or at least any living human being inside. So now there's a third agency coming on board and getting involved in the effort to explain UAPs, and NASA itself, believe it or not, is at the head of that and so as bill nelson the head of nasa announced june 9th it's launching its own investigation and so beginning in the fall to get to the bottom of the uap mystery the effort will be led by astrophysicist Dave- david Spergel and the president of the si- the simons foundation in new york city And previously, the chair of the astrophysics department at Princeton University in Princeton, New Jersey. And then Daniel Evans, the assistant deputy associate administrator for the research of NASA's science mission directorate. And he will serve as NASA's official responsible for orchestrating the study. So this budget is slated at about $100,000. And the study is going to kick off uh, and run for nine months. This is going to analyze all of the available data that they currently have and first-hand accounts, all of the first-hand accounts amassed so far by NASA, and consult both with military and civilian experts for their analysis of this evidence. So the space agency is open to any and all interpretations of the data through its setting a high bar for at least one. However, In a statement from NASA, they're still sticking by their original statement that they've always had, that there is no evidence and that UAPs are, there is no evidence that UAPs are extraterrestrial in origin. But again, as we know, I see you shaking your head, but, and as we know, the absence of evidence, of course, is not evidence of absence, right? And NASA officials acknowledge that as And anything is possible. And so they're going to follow the findings wherever they may point. Mm.
1: So basically what they are doing, for our audience who is actually a lot smarter than what they are saying, they're taking $100,000, which is a drop in the bucket for any type of study. It's basically, you know, a couple of lunches at Beverly Hills. In order to study unidentified aerial phenomena, Tim, I I don't care how much they're name dropping, and which scientists are going to be looking into this. They're treating us like fools.
7: Right, right. I understand your uh, your skepticism, um, and uh, you know, again, we're going to have to look at NASA's history. And um the supporters that they've had, such as SETI, you know, they're kind of on board in that world of skeptics. But again, they've you know, they have in the past and as we've seen, really taken advantage of some of the astronauts they've put in space by quieting them down and not letting them talk about some of the experience they potentially had. And so I find that really um a kind of telling story as to what is to potentially come with this quote unquote research that they've already quoted as saying that there's no evidence for. So it sounds like they've already made their mind up that there is no evidence, but yet our history shows and our astronauts show that may not be the case.
1: I have been working over the last couple of weeks, very quietly with Darcy Weir on a new documentary. I've been doing the voiceovers for him. And Interesting. it's about NASA and UFOs. And I was doing voice voiceover work yesterday for him on a couple pilots who flew NASA's X-15. One had an encounter at 314,000 feet above Earth. Okay? This is where I get angry. Because we know they have the evidence. We know they have the astronauts. We know they have the pilots who have all encountered something. Never mind astronauts who... You know, some of them have lived on, on the space station for six months to a year. I mean, in 2020, there was the Russian cosmonaut who literally filmed a boomerang out the window.
7: With his cell phone, I believe. Is with, that correct?
1: With his cell phone. And, yeah. And here we're supposed to believe and that this is brand new to NASA? You've been working in space for 70 years. Gemini had UFOs. Apollo... Dave, you
7: just said a magic number there. Not to interrupt you, but 70 years. Isn't that interesting that's also around the same time as Air Force? And, you know, let's talk about Blue Book. I mean, these things must be all related. All of our astronauts are harvested from the Air Force. Um, And then, you know, kept under wraps, all the information under their military ND, you know, NDL, NDAs, excuse me. And so um, I think just like the the point you're making here, this is just another expression of how it's going to be swept under the table. And just the fact that this is a third leg investigating, we already know that um, the two departments that they have set up could easily come up with the same, um, this is a mundane answer and then we would have a finalized answer confirmed by NASA that this is just something uh, mundane.
1: Well, let's hope not. If the media would do their job and ask them, well, what about all of these astronauts who claim to have seen things in space? Because these are pretty yeah. smart men and women, Tim. NASA right. doesn't choose dummies like myself or many others, okay, to head up to the International Space Station, or back in the day, head up in a rocket or a shuttle. They don't do that. You have to be the best of the best of the best of the best, pretty much like being a Navy SEAL. Okay? It's only the 1% of 1% that make that.
7: That's right. And up until recently, we provided seats on a lot of our missions to uh, Russian cosmonauts. And to add to that, in today's news... Dmitry Rogozin, the head of Russia's Roskomos Space Agency, has said Russian officials are conducting studies into UFO reports themselves. The space agency chief said that he's aware of unidentified flying objects accounts provided by pilots, and these reports often come back after test flights. Rogozin follows up and says in an interview with the Rossoia 24 news channel, that 99.9% of all reports were later identified as atmospheric and or other physical phenomenon, but also considered that we might be a subject to some extent of observation. So, furthering, NASA believes that the tools of the science discovery are powerful and and apply here. And so Thomas Zerbock also, the administrator of the of science at NASA headquarters in Washington says, we have access to broad range of observations from Earth and from space. And this is the lifeblood of science inquiry. So we have the tools and the team who can help us improve our understanding of the unknown. And that's the definition of what science is. And that's what we do. So let me just highlight there that it sounds like part of the initial data collection is going to be coming from our own satellites. And so I find that just in this first sweep, what they'll be doing is narrowing down the sources that they can get to get data that will qualify as significant as a report. So I think that initializing and utilizing satellite data, that sounds like something new. Dave, have you heard of that before?
1: I have heard of that because I think that's what the Galileo Project wanted to try and accomplish with theirs is use satellites in order to try and aim them towards areas that could be potential hotspots. Now, I, I may be wrong on that, okay, and I'm not afraid to be wrong on that, but I have heard that before, Yes.
7: Right. And so obviously you'd have to be at some level of NASA or part of this team to get access to that kind of information. Because we know just recently that um, UAPX reported that they were blocked off from the satellite data that they were purchasing from an independent uh, satellite uh, distributor of um, service. Right? So... What they got as far as data was just blacked out. They didn't receive information. And so some of this can be accessed, but some of it obviously is censored.
1: And here we go again. We're not supposed to be playing games, but we're playing games. And, you know, as we got about 90 seconds to go in this segment before we have to go to commercial break, Tim Senor on the UFO Report tonight. I'm curious, you know, if, if anybody's been paying attention to Twitter Representative Tim Burchett has been going absolutely nuts on NASA exactly the same way we have. And, you know, I look at UFO Twitter, and, and as I said in my rant last week on the Dave 101, UFO Twitter, yes, we have to support NASA announcing they're getting into the game. But let's not get gushy with these morons, Okay. And right now they are acting like morons. And I don't like to, you know, call people names like that or anything of the sort. But Tim, there is a lot in NASA's closets and file folders and dresser drawers and, and, you know, Dixie cups from the water cooler that are just hanging on out and they're playing it like we're stupid. And, I, and I'm right. sorry that I'm offended by that. I'm sorry to our audience that I keep ranting on this, but this one's really upset me, man. Really right. upset me. Right, and you
7: me. bring up a really good point. Uh, they do have heaps of data and photographs and evidence, but let's also consider the fact that they have spent a lot of energy at censoring that. And so even with this new investigation where they're encouraging people to look into these files of data, they may find so much censorship still that even NASA doesn't know what the real truth is anymore. And that is purely my own hypothesis, of course. I'm sure there's a lot of truth still there. But how much will get revealed?
1: That is the big one. Tim Sinor filling in on the UFO report this week. When we come back... We're going to get into Space News. General Motors and Lockheed Martin coming together? We'll find out about it when we return on Spaced Out Radio's UFO Report. Nice start, Tim. Good job.
7: Good stuff, D-Man. So good to see you, man.
1: Yeah, appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. Oh, yeah,
7: yeah. You know what? You Actually, can we talk about something real quick here uh, that you just mentioned about Tim Burchette? Or yeah, do you want to wait?
1: Yeah, go right ahead.
7: I think that, you know what? It, we may be seeing this reaction at NASA publicly talking about this right now because of Tim Burchette, and that's just a knee-jerk reaction. I mean, the timing just is pretty much on point here. What do you think?
1: I love the way Tim... Okay, I, I don't know Tim Burchette from the neighborhood Fox that walks around in the, in the green belt. All right. I know he's a politician. I I don't know. I think he's Republican. You know, I'm not following his politics. I I've talked to a number of people who say he's, he's very set in his ways uh, with certain things. I don't care about that. What I care about is what is he saying about the entire UFO portion? and everything that we at spaced out radio have fought for to bring to the public hi gorgeous larry nice to finally have you here is what he is saying okay disclose like like even going back a few weeks ago where you know right before right after the hearings where he was on fire about after the hearings yeah. Okay. Where he's like disclosure is let us know Roswell on forward. Everything. That's disclosure. We're just getting confirmation. And now you look at it with NASA where he's basically saying to NASA, you know, you guys are an embarrassment for for the way you're talking about this subject. I mean, basically, you got to realize NASA is calling their astronauts and their pilots fools. Fools. And that's from Gemini, Apollo, the shuttles, right up to where we are today. They're calling them fools. And I love Jeep YJ Overlander here. It's because people have seen NASA's BS for decades. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, this is where I get pissed off at how foolish... UFO Twitter is because the, the any time somebody famous, LeBron James could come out and say, you know, we I had a good basketball game, me, 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 his typical interview, okay? By the way, saw UFO, and it was awesome. All of a sudden, everybody in UFO Twitter is going to be buying LeBron James gear because he said the words UFO or the letters UFO. All right? Right. And that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Right? You are
7: so right. And perhaps it goes the other way. You know, everyone that's a LeBron James fan starts buying UFO t-shirts and stuffed aliens.
1: Uh, YJ says, I called this months ago when I saw Lou get hissy about alien disclosure and say, no, it's it's going to be nuts and bolts. Uh, YJ, I could tell you right now, that attitude is changing very, very quickly. Very quickly. And that's one of the reasons why Lou stepped away. Now, you can take those words for what, for, uh, what, you, uh, what you say or however you want, but there is a much larger picture regarding that uh, with Mr. Elizondo and his work for Space Force. And it's very, very interesting. I wish I could oh I wish I could go.
7: I'm not prodding you.
1: I know. (laughs) You know almost as much as I do, so
7: I I mean, it's exciting times, it really is. I I feel lucky personally to be just alive Mm -hmm. (laughs) living these times with all of you.
1: It is pretty cool. And thanks for
7: and thanks for having me on tonight, by the way, Dave, It's great, it's so much fun, and S O R. This place Just is great. Just look at it.
1: Just look at it. Hold, hold it's,
7: on. It's this is so awesome. I love what you've done in here. Oh, thank it was you. much bigger. Thank you. Here, yeah. let,
1: let's go to the different camera angle, if it'll ever start up. But it's not starting up. I oh, wonder, please. I wonder please, why. Dave. No, it's not. It's not. Oh, and
7: I must say, when I play, you know, S O R in my kitchen, all the butter melts.
1: When
7: when when your voice floods the kitchen.
1: Uh, All right, a big thank you to D Co and Simon Dennis, Dry Toast, who I just added on Twitter. I'm follower number one, Cat Chaser, and Rob for the super chats. Thank you to everybody who's given us a thumbs up, and all the veterans out there. Here we go. Angle two. We've rounded third. We're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I want to remind you that if you've missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky-Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram, at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok, at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with the UFO Report. Joining us, Tim Senor, and he's filling in this week. And General Motors, not just wanting to build cars and trucks anymore, but apparently they're teaming up with Lockheed Martin. On a lunar rover production?
7: That's right. That's right. GM and Lockheed are taking their lunar rover project to the commercial space market now. So the announcement marks the latest expansion for GM's Ultium technologies, which include batteries and the outside auto market. So last year, the companies announced a partnership to develop a lunar rover using the Ultium vehicle platform and the batteries and use them for NASA. Jim has also
0: announced the partnerships to use. Your small business is a big deal. Grow it even bigger with SEMrush, the all-in-one marketing platform. Attract new customers and outrank competitors. Visit SEMrush.com grow for a free trial.
4: There are all different sizes of businesses. Big business, small business, that awkward growing phase business, the running this thing from my garage business, and the OMG we can't hire fast enough business. Wherever you are in your business journey, HubSpot's powerful but easy to use CRM platform grows with you. It lets all of your teams work together seamlessly, whether that's just you and your roommate or colleagues across multiple time zones. Grow better with HubSpot by connecting your people, your customers, and your business. Learn more at HubSpot.com
7: or test the technology in electric motors for trains, boats, and other systems. So, GM and Lockheed Martin said Thursday that they plan to produce an array of moon-roving vehicles for commercial space missions and services powered by the automaker's electric vehicle battery technology. So, the partnership to develop a lunar rover utilizing its Ultium vehicle platform and batteries for NASA will help in assessing projects following a bid for its upcoming Artemis missions to the moon. And so this is looking to me like they're taking their new technology and slapping it into a few different rover options that are going to work for different different missions, not just with NASA, but uh, with other independent corporations as well. But it sounds like some of the first ones are going to be going to the moon on Artemis.
1: Gee whiz. I mean, two things that I have to say about this. It's really nice that we're going to uh, now pollute the moon with lithium-ion batteries. That portions of those <laughs> batteries cannot be ult- recycled.
7: Ultium. They're called Ultium well, batteries. and so. But yes, it'll still look like um, somebody's Duracell's in the backyard. So my,
1: <laughs> my question is, where are they finding the diesel generator to have the the rechargeable uh, you know, plug in for the electric vehicle. All right, that's my f- first question.
7: Right, but number right.
1: number two, and as you can see, I'm not a big fan of these. That.
7: Are good questions? Uh, no, these are great questions. I might have a couple answers, but go ahead. Okay. I did do a little research. Number Please.
1: number two, why would anyone pair up with General Motors <laughs> on this? General Motors can't figure out... No, no, but let me speak here for a second, okay?
7: Oh, chill. Let
1: let me speak here for a second. Because if anybody has ever owned a GM or Chevy truck, you know that after sitting in there for about 28 minutes that your your padding literally goes right down to the plywood that is holding the seat together. There is no comfort. There is no comfort comfort in GM interior. There is no comfort.
7: So you are currently talking to a Suburban owner, and I got to say, it's like floating Uh, in a cloud, my friend.
1: There is a difference (laughs) between the $90,000 Suburban and the $55,000, $60,000 Sierra 1500. I'm okay. S- I'm serious.
7: Are, are we, I'm not going to, we don't have to go here. We, we, we can, are men, though. but we <laughs> don't have to talk about trucks. We just don't have to. We can rise above the fray and not talk about trucks. But either way, interesting, Lockheed's on board. So, you know, um, I find that interesting. And so I think what it really is, is the GM is bringing the Ultium battery which is actually something that they use in a lot of their electric vehicles uh, on this planet. <laughs> and so they're taking that tech and offering it to Lockheed. And I believe a lot of what the uh, technology in the technology in this battery is going to express is a lot of rechargeability within the vehicle itself. So just the momentum of the vehicle is going to recharge the battery, you know. And so it's one of those old school things where hopefully, um, you know, it doesn't fail <laughs> well, once it gets to the moon. Um, and I'm sure they'll do plenty of testing.
1: Realistically, too, that car will probably have some sort of, uh, you know, energy, solar energy panel on there in order to recharge the battery, which would make sense because yeah. the moon does get a lot of sunlight each and every day. So, I mean, I could see that happening. Not a problem. There's
7: a dark side, though. A permanent dark side of the moon, so that's something to consider. But um, I'm sure they've done the math. I mean, they must have done the math, bud. They- they're doing it, so <laughs> I think it's pretty interesting. Um, and I also kind of see, you know, Artemis is slated for what three years from now? Something I think. Like that. Um, and so you know they're going to have to scramble to get that technology together if they're only just starting to put the partnership together. So. We'll see what happens next.
1: Well, they're still in test phases for, for Artemis, and they're hoping right. that uh, Artemis 1's moon mission launch options uh, run through June 2023, so one year from now, one year from now, that we could see at the earliest something happening.
7: Interesting. Well, wow, they're really going to have to scramble if they want to get on board that. Um, Oh, you know that's going to be pushed back.
1: You know there's going to be pushback there.
7: It is NASA. It is NASA. Um, And so it's also interesting to think that they'll be going with some independent uh, missions that are going to – I'm not sure if it's just the moon or – I mean, it sounds like they're designing lunar rovers, which says moon to me. But um, that also expresses that there could potentially be independent companies going there on their own. Is there something that Elon Musk isn't telling us? Question mark.
1: I, you know what? I I don't know. You know, I think I think there's a lot of trend. I mean, don't forget. I mean, four years ago, the the two of the stars academy was going to space. Everybody wants to go to space now. Everybody, you know,
7: absolutely right. It's a popular and, and, thing to uh, do and you can do it with virgin right doesn't virgin fly to space
1: yeah for i think a couple million a seat right now
7: right right i find that interesting um you know and so people are willing to spend a fortune to go to space but not invest in uap science i find that distressing because this is really the most in my personal opinion and i think it's ex- been expressed other places that this is potentially the most important science mystery of our time and of our generation. And, you know, it is intensely interesting to investigate. It's not a simple answer. You know, it really isn't.
1: Very true. All right, third one, you got a film review. That I do. Check it on out. Alien Abduction Answers. What's this all about?
7: Um, so a brief synopsis is the government's of the world cannot hide anymore that alien contact is happening and this is a film of what why and how it is occurring right and so it's a film produced and directed by uh, a new friend of mine named john yost and he worked with whitley Strieber very closely to produce this film containing a lot of abduction experiencers and their story And he weaves his own personal experience throughout the film in a very elegant way. Um, Tells a very, I guess, scary or, you know, potentially scary story that he has lived himself. So it was a really elegant way for him to tell this story and kind of a bigger picture um, at the same time, because... I'm sure for somebody that lives uh, an abduction experience, um, that is something very personal, and I'm sure it would be really hard to come to terms with, and especially on the level of being able to put together a documentary about it. That would take a lot of um, charisma and uh, spirit to do.
1: Look, when you do a documentary on something as personable and as unbelievable as alien abduction, You're really putting your entire life on the line, going public like that. You really are. And I commend anybody who has the strength to do that. You know, I've been pretty open with what I've experienced personally on this show, you know, but I do worry about my children. What are their What are their people saying? You know, their their friends, their friends' families, their bosses. When yeah, my dad's a little bit of a weirdo. You know what I'm saying?
7: There's the stigma, and I mean, it is stigma. changing, but there's a heavy one that comes with such an up and close and personal experiences, such as such as this, especially when it could be something really, you know, intimate or you know, potentially personally devastating. There's a ton of PTSD involved with this. And I think it's obvious for anyone that's really gone through it. And so to watch John Yost in his film, expressing his experiences and talking with Whitley Strieber, you know, obviously was a lot of um, therapy for him because he got through the film and then he wove, um other people's experiences that he had um, come across Uh and their stories. And so there was a lot of people that kind of found the strength to come together for this documentary, but I have to say really, really well done. And um, if you're interested in the topic, I think this definitely is a great introduction to it in a way that makes it very believable and realistic to someone that may be a little unsure of how they want to feel about this topic.
1: Well, we should let our audience know too, that on July 7th, we have John Yost coming on the show. He, Fantastic. He's, yeah, he's tentatively uh, agreed to come on that night. And, and you know what? It's it's one of those things where, where we, as a show, are very privileged to have a lot of experiencers on here. This is the direction that we like. We want to hear those first hand encounters. Hey, they may be anecdotal, but for the majority of people out there they want to hear what people are experiencing you know hey yeah. there's a lot of critics to to the anecdotal evidence that's for sure but for the most of us we want that we want to hear about that spooky story about yeah what...
7: dave you, you do and you gave me a safe and fun platform to tell my family's story so um this is a great place for experiencers to come and hear other people talk and feel comfortable at some point to maybe come and talk about it themselves. Because that's what it was for me. Um, and so the fact that you're going to have Mr. Yost on is so exciting. Because his story is amazing. Amazing. Um, quite like your own. First, first-hand experience for for a lifetime. I think that's incredible.
1: Well, and, and you know what? I think we're going to see a lot more people come out in the limelight regarding their experiences and I really hope in my hope of this all is we got about 90 seconds before we got to head over to news but tim my my real hope is this i really hope that we don't see all of these former hollywood stars these de list stars going all the way down to the letter z not z z Okay, and, you know, all of a sudden, much like they did with the with the the Hollywood haunting show where where all of these actors and actresses that have been out of the business for, you know, 15, 20 years coming back on camera to say, you know, I lived in a haunted house in the Hollywood Hills, you know, or, you know, back. I'm tired of that. And I, you know, these are real experiences that people are having. And we got to make sure that that the hollywood types don't take advantage of these people because don't
7: glamorize it
1: it's yeah. not fun even even if you're having the good aliens come around it's not fun when you lose control and you have no recollection of what happened you only got a couple of snippets and that's what you're going by and it sucks man it sucks so the fact that anybody is brave enough to tell their story about ET abduction and how it's affected them, how they live, how they work, how they, they get paranoid, like you said, PTSD on on daily, you know, going to bed gives people PTSD. I mean, I don't even know how yeah. to do it. Tim, I'm going to get you to hold on here for a few minutes. We're going to quickly uh, get to Shirky Poo's news and uh, – We'll talk to you in the after show. Hold on. Here we go.
7: My pleasure. What time is
1: it? It's time for Shirky Poo's News! Yeah, Shirky Poo. Starting off with one angry elephant. Oh, this angry elephant is some holding a grudge. A woman has been attacked twice by an enraged elephant. Once while she was alive... And I don't even mean to laugh. But the other type was at her funeral. Yeah. 68-year-old Mayam Mermu was fetching water when she was attacked by a furious elephant in one of India's districts last week. The pissed-off pachyderm was part of a larger herd that had strayed from the nearby Dalma Wildlife Sanctuary. When Mermu attempted to flee, one of the elephants chained or charged her and trampled her to death she was taken to hospital but died of her injuries in the evening when murmu's body had been returned to her family her loved ones began performing her last rites unfortunately this pissed off the elephant again See, you can't make this up the livid creature then seized the opportunity to give her another beating The angry animal, according to reports, stormed the funeral, took the corpse from the pyre, trampled her dead body, threw it, and then said, well, that's about enough, and fled. Her family kept the body outside the house for the funeral, and the animal again came and attacked her, according to Inspector Lopamudra Nayak of the police. Reports say that the enraged elephant waited near the mangled corpse for over an hour before it began to roar. Other members of the Elephant's herd answered the call, with the group of them then attacking the village and destroying Murmu's house. Murmu's last rites were eventually performed a few hours later after family members were sure the Elephants had left the building. It is not known if anyone else was harmed by the rogue Elephants. Oh my God! Like how does this happen? This lady must have done a little bit more to upset these elephants. News I mean, in, Yeah, Hop and Tim, what do you think?
7: I I don't know if I'm supposed to comment on this or not, but I must say sir, they they did they must have done something at some point to upset those elephants. Elephants are very intelligent and they probably keep and hold a grudge. Oh yeah. So oh.
1: Wow. I understand. I'm in the same There's a boat. lesson there. There is a lesson. You know, you see elephants, be nice to them. Be kind. Otherwise, they're coming to get you in death. Uh,
7: yeah, and anyone, not just elephants. I think that's, a, that's just a karmic message.
1: You got that right. New Zealand has revealed plans to hand down a carbon tax to farmers in order to tackle one of their biggest greenhouse gas problems. Barnyard animals that fart and burp too much. The price on agricultural emissions would make New Zealand the first country to make farmers pay for the gases that their cows or sheep produce. New Zealand, a large agricultural exporter, is home to 5 million people. Compare that to about 10 million cattle and 26 million sheep. Now, that's a lot of burping and farting going on. Yeah, there is no question that we need to cut the amount of methane we are putting into the atmosphere, and an effective emissions pricing system for agriculture will play a key part in how we achieve that, said New Zealand's climate change minister, James Shaw. I wonder if James has been eating any beef or lamb lately. I wonder. I always wonder about these political zealots when they attack a farmer. Because, face it, people, you may not like it, but without farmers, we starve. And pissing off farmers with a climate tax is not a good way to get food to the table. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Bad move, New Zealand. Bad move. An Indian woman married herself on Saturday in a huge ceremony that had everything except a partner for the bride. 24-year-old Kashama Bindu, a digital creator from Vadodara, she's decided, well, I'm going to make myself the first Indian self-marriage or sologamy wedding. Sologamy I just wanted to be a bride like most women get ready, wear the best wedding outfit and be photographed. But I don't want to be a wife, she said. So, I'm marrying myself. Good for her. Good for her. I like this woman. I want Where
7: to... was this option? What's that? I feel I feel like I've been left out. Where was this option? I don't know. For me 15 years ago. I I, I missed the boat.
1: Oh, Sorry man. to interrupt you. If we could turn that back just sounds time. fantastic. If we could turn back time. All right, she goes, I never thought that it would be a big deal, but I want people to understand that one can be single and be happy. With my marriage, I want them to look at the positive sides of self-love and accept the concept of marrying thyself. Wonderful. Thank you to Shirky Poo for the awesome news tonight. That was absolutely fantastic. That elephant story, I'm going to remember that one for a while. Totally remember that yeah. Thank you, Tim Senor, for coming on the UFO Report. We'll talk to you in My a pleasure. couple of nights' time. And, of course, to Swamp Dweller for the wonderful spooky story. Swamp Dweller's here every single night that I am on the air. And our guest tonight, Nicholas Shaughnessy, for coming on in with some great Sasquatch and NDE stories. And, of course, can't forget Dirty Phil for his amazing art. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot-Thall rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god of self. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, Elgap, Facebook, Space Travelers Club. And on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. I know you're out there somewhere. Remember, this show is copyright by SpacedOutRadio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Mr. Bumblefoot. We need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available, your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night.
0: Your small business is a big deal. Grow it even bigger with SEMrush, the all-in-one marketing platform. Attract new customers and outrank competitors. Visit SEMrush.com grow for a free trial. Good news. You started a company. Now you have to run it. When you look out into
5: the sea of CRMs, it can look extremely blue. But HubSpot is here to give your company a more human approach. We're a CRM that's easy to use, aligns all your teams seamlessly, and delivers a better experience for your customers. So your business feels like a helpful partner and not just some company trying to force a sale. There's a better way to help grow your
1: business by connecting your people, your customers, and your business.
4: HubSpot. Grow
7: better.